Hi, I'm Sabrina Kuhn Godfrey. Hi, I'm Deanna Kaplan. Hi, I am Richard Watts. The Common Sense Choice for Winston-Salem Forsyth County School Board. It would be our honor to serve you. Make your voice heard by voting for Deanna, Richard, Sabrina, and Common Sense. We need your support. Early voting starts October 20th. Paid for by Sabrina Kuhn Godfrey for BOE, Deanna Kaplan for School Board, Richard Watts at Large School Board. Hey, Panther fans, right now on the SiriusXM app, hear the most in-depth Carolina Panthers coverage anywhere with Believe in Carolina Panthers, part of the Believe Podcast Network on SiriusXM. Hear from me, Desmond Johnson, and my co-host, Skylar Callahan from Sports Illustrated, and Panther great Jonathan Stewart as we break down the Panthers before and after every game through the NFL season. Your team, your podcast. Search B-L-E-A-V in Carolina Panthers on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you believe? Hey, y'all, Chinese Bobolados. Is your car broke down? Are you stuck somewhere? Do you need a mechanic? Oh, you don't want to call a tow truck? Call Chinese Bobolado. He'll come out to you, do your work, whatever you need done, your regular maintenance, or if you broke down on the side of the road, give him a call. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call 336-423-6241. You don't even have to see me. Just let me know what's wrong with your car, and I will come and fix it, y'all. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, TikTok. I'm on the Twitters. Whatever you you guys need 336-423-6241 as always i'll be seeing you you are locked into tobacco road sports radio your home for triad sports like to have everybody's attention for a moment there's a stat. I don't like bringing up stats, but there's one stat about the Panthers. He's in the world is James Harden better scorer than Michael Jordan. No, he's a more creative in that. He's, Traveling he, is not creative, he Brandon. Does, he you know, no matter what the score is, and they've said it themselves, whether they're up 10, down 10, down 20, whatever, they know they can turn it on whenever. Why did you have to bring up the Cowboys? <laughs> lived in Texas for two years and just could not stand to watch Cowboys for life. All right, all right, all right, all Welcome to The Rundown. Here's Desmond Johnson. And welcome into a brand new Saturday morning edition of The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. I am Heat, Desmond Johnson. Follow me on Twitter at DZM43505. In the house for hour number one, Hot Rod Thunderbird making his triumphant return without a starting quarterback. We'll get into that in just a bit. Mm, mm, Allison mm, Rumble. Mm. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. News 2 in the house as well. Loaded show today. Uh, a little bit later on, we got WRL TV's Chris Lee in the house. He's going to talk a little AEW, a little WWE, a little Carolina Panthers versus New York Giants preview. Uh, sports talk host, award-winning sports talk host, uh, author, writer, you name it, North Carolina sports personality, David Glenn in the house from ShopWorld.com. He'll be helping us preview uh, the App State Troy game, college game day being in Boone right now. Uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff as he's on the sports buffet. And then the voice of North Carolina A&T, Donald Ware, will join us to give us a preview of North Carolina A&T versus Duke, which you can hear later on today at 6 p.m. on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Uh, you can also hear it in the triad on 1400 AM, 93.6 FM, The Light, uh, and Sirius XM on the app. Just search North Carolina A&T Aggies. You can find it there. Or you go to their Facebook page and just get it straight from the Facebook page. It'll be pinned to the top. So we got Aggie action a little bit later on tonight, 5.30 pregame with Donald Ware and Al Swan, 6 p.m. kickoff. So I'll be with you for most of the day here, but 
Uh, we're going to kick things off here, talking about last week in the NFL. And uh, uh, since I have Rod here, we'll just start with America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, some of the things that we saw last week that might have made us kind of uh, be a bit surprised and some of the things from last week that may worry us going forward. I'll let you just have the floor, Rod. Uh, it feels like the Cowboys were depending on Dak to have like a Cam Newton type of season. And by that, I mean basically putting it all on Dak. Like we gave you this money. We're going to take away some of your toys, but we still expect you to perform at the level that we paid you at. And now with him out, it feels like it kind of exposes that the Cowboys didn't really do a whole lot in the, in the offseason. What, what are your thoughts on your team? Oh, Des, we the Cowboys definitely did not do anything during the offseason, man. That was one of the biggest peeves that any Cowboy fan had, or even if you kept up with the NFL, the Cowboys did absolutely nothing during the offseason. They let their best receiver, number one receiver, go Cooper over to the Cleveland Browns, who you know, had an opportunity to beat the Carolina Panthers last week. I had to sneak that in there since you want to mess with my Cowboy first day this morning. <laughs> hey, we're going to get to my Panthers. But, <laughs> we're going right to them. <laughs> but, but, man, no, uh, part of the biggest issue, I think, is is the administration of the Cowboys right now. Uh, you know, your men are, are uh, the, the coaches, uh, Jerry Jones in the front office, they have to be willing to go and get who's needed in order to win games during the offseason. But since you didn't, you know, you have to work with what you got. And then when you come back and work with what you got, you got to remember Zeke Elliott was one of the highest paid running backs, if not the highest paid running back at the time. He had gotten his contract. How in the world do you just let him run the ball less than, you know, 12 times a game? That is just freaking ridiculous, and I don't understand it because football is still a game of running the ball, and if you need to open up your play game, your passing game, you run the ball, and then you come back with play-action pass. However, in running the ball, we're also having problems because we have an issue still in the admin area by the name of offensive coordinator Kellen Moore. Why Kellen Moore got the job of offensive coordinator? He should have never had it. He's too young. He doesn't have enough NFL experience to really know how the NFL works. Have you ever watched some of his running plays? There's no creativity on that offensive line. He has no guards pulling around, no tackles pulling around, no misdirection plays uh, for Zeke. Uh, pulling around or backup uh, running back as well, or not even really backup running back, the alternate running back that we have. I can't even think of his name right now. Uh, but, uh, Pollard. Pollard. Yep, yep, Pollard. So, listen, man, when it comes to the Cowboys, they're just, you know, they're just that – they're a mess right now. And even if we did have weapons, I think the Cowboys would still find a way to screw it up simply because Jerry Jones <laughs> is at the helm of this team and he gets in the way – of everything if it's not opening his mouth if it's not allowing the coach to be the head ruler of the team and guys not go around the coach and go to jerry jones all that creates internal dysfunction and it's something that hasn't stopped since jerry uh got rid of uh jimmy johnson and it's not something that's gonna stop until jerry meets his demise you know and i hate to say that but that is just how it's gonna be i don't expect anything to happen i have a bunch of buddies i'm on a uh, uh, a uh, uh, the, the the oh lord the when you're on Texan you have the twerk group text, chat text feed. yeah the group chat we, I was, I, we do a group <laughs> chat every year <laughs> man Lee <laughs> right hey man the Cowboys just got me flustered dude they got me flustered you you're talking about it right now so even at the beginning of this group chat man they ask everybody hey what do you expect your team to do this year 
got down to me. I said, we'll have five wins. They were like, oh, come on. I said, man, I am serious. I said, number one, Dak is not even all the way healthy. I don't think he wasn't healthy from the ankle injury. And I don't think he's all the way healthy from his shoulder issue. He didn't look either. right. Not he did same. not look, he hasn't looked right, didn't play in any preseason games, didn't look right even, you know, when they were doing a training camp. So I told my buddy five games, this is before the season started. They said, oh, man, no, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about about your team. Then Dak comes out, gets hurt. You saw how we laid down. And the defense is good. Don't get me wrong. The defense is not bad. But, man, my guys came back and said, Rod, you might be right. You really do keep up with your team. Heck, yeah, I keep up with my team. I know what's going on. And that's why I'm flustered. That's why I can't talk. And I'm just – I'm messed up right now. I'm messed up, fellas. I'm messed up. <laughs> I wanted well, to let you get that out. <laughs> I know you've been stewing on it all week. So I just it hurt, man. It hurt. It, man. I want you to get it out. Just, you know, just throw it up. Get it all out of your body so you feel a little bit better. Um, Jalen, what was something you saw last week that maybe gave you – uh, a little concern. Um, just across the NFL or with Dallas? Yeah, just across the – no, not just across the NFL. Anything in particular, like a team you might have thought was going to do something and you saw them and like, oh, <laughs> maybe they're not going to no, do something. No, because uh, that's kind of kind of the performance I was expecting from, you know, that particular team. Um, who – a team that kind of let me down last week was definitely the Eagles. They came out hot, jumped out, you know, uh, dominant getting the ball to A.J. Brown. It was – established that he's going to be the number one this year but then they slowly start letting detroit just creep back into the game until it i mean ended up being a three-point game when the eagles are up 21 points in that game i do believe in the first half after the pick six all year they're gonna be a tough scrappy bunch yeah but i'm very uh i'm very optimistic to see what the detroit Lions become this year i have them winning about between five to seven games this year just because of uh, the new culture that Dan Campbell's brought in. They've done a great job these last couple of drafts, acquiring some great young pieces, and I can't wait to see how they're able to put it together uh, just in despite of uh, Jeff Jared Goff and his interesting style of quarterback play. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, what was something you saw last week uh, in the NFL that kind of made you pause a little bit in terms of Maybe a team you thought was going to be good that's not, or a team you thought was going to be bad that actually looked pretty good. Um, I think the Packers. I mean, look, they got beat out up big time by the Vikings, and it just goes to show you it doesn't matter how great your quarterback is. You have to have a supporting cast, and right now there's trouble in uh, Green Bay. You may have a great quarterback, but you found out when you're running back, has more receiving yards than any of your receivers the entire game. That is a major issue, and especially when you have Aaron Rodgers at the helm. So it just goes to show you it could be a tough season for Mr. Rodgers' neighborhood over there. Yo, Rodgers does not hide his emotions very well, and when that dude uh, dropped that long bomb that hit him right in the hands with, like, nobody around him, like Aaron Rodgers was like his whole world just crumbled. <laughs> like on the field, he's just like. What so I, <laughs> I heard some of his comments on a uh, Pack McAfee show, right? And he was saying that the whole week they were game planning. You know, th- it was clear this was going to be the first play on the script. And he was like, "Hey, Christian, how cool is it going to be for your first catch to be a touchdown?" He's like, "Cause he knew he was going to be wide open." And so it was. He was like, "It was more of the build up through the week." And then he he said he was more disappointed for the receiver than he was that he didn't catch the ball because it was like, bro, we talked about this all week. You knew you was going to be wide yeah. open for the first play of the game. Your first career catch is going to be a 50, 60 yard touchdown. That's how you, you know, 
Butterfly. Everybody's talking about you got to be the guy to replace Devontae, break on the scene, and then you just go right through your fingers. So he said that's what more of those looks were for. I don't know if that's 100% true, but it sounds it sounds great. It sounds good. It sounds good. It's good for, the, good for us. And also, how great is Justin Jefferson? I, I don't know. One of the I, best, I, if not the best. I don't know because I don't know if that was all him or if that was the Packers. But for you got to, Des, you got to think. Because <laughs> he's, that stuff, he's he in wide. his career. This is what he's played two seasons Three, in. He's years? played two seasons in yeah, one game. Second, no, yes, yeah, he's third year. Yeah, he's played two seasons in one game. The team he's played the most so far in his career is the Green Bay Packers. So it's like well, they should have known if, if they case if they're not gonna be able to stop him, I don't know if anybody else is gonna be able to stop him. I feel like they were playing zone and just lost him a couple of times, like inexplicably. There's no explanation for it because there's someone yeah, but- he's running cross routes, and there's like no one within 15 yards of the dude. It's like, are we just gonna let Justin Jefferson beat us today? Is that what the game plan is? We're just gonna <sighs> let him go, or it was but like, how do you was, lose Justin? That's Jefferson. what I'm saying. Yeah, it was like no one does one. every year. What's the game plan here? Like, where like how is that? 18 circle 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 on the board like what are we doing my my big surprise uh i'm gonna stay home here with the panthers is the fact that uh, and i've harped on it all week i harped uh, on the to believe hey, podcast one I, thing I, about this he love show. he love a constellation championship a participation <laughs> trophy well this was this would be a non-participation trophy because i i'm still it's been six days i'm still mad at offensive coordinator ben mcadoo for forgetting that Christian McCaffrey is on the team. Like, for some reason, they kept this dude in bubble wrap for the whole preseason for a purpose, so he'd be fresh for week one. We go out here against the Browns. What does he do? He gets he, four touches for the whole half. Like, what are we doing? Like, he's the best player on the team. Like, we we <laughs> we talked about this at the end of the Believe podcast. You know, it's days. crazy. It's crazy that that happened. You and I talked about this before, Desmond. We talked about, this show. about what, three carries? Nine yards in the first half, your best player. But don't be mad at Ben McAdoo because he could be your new head coach next week if they don't win this week. That's, that's, actually, that's actually a good segue. Uh, one of our uh, viewers, Gerald Mason, asked, love the content. Do you think if Rule hits 0-2 after Sunday that Rule is calling Mayflower for discount moving deals? Um, yes, he, he will not. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I would say I predicted by game four if he's not doing well. That was my original prediction. Yeah, I'd give him more than two games. You, had a head, you have a head coach experience. There's a reason why they put a head coach experience, two guys on this team with experience. And I really think, plus, now Matt Rule has an incentive not to stay there because he might be interested in the Nebraska job in college football. So there's a lot to play into this. And if I'm if I'm rule and I lose this game this weekend, I'm going to Nebraska. I just, rule just makes me mad. Like he says things that contradicts what he said previously. Like I'm I'm like, if you're gonna have a story, stick to the story. Don't don't I say think I know what it is. He's gonna run the, the ball, run the opposite. ball, run the ball. Yeah. And, then and, he, and he comes out Sunday after the game. He's yeah. like, Well, passing's a major part of this NFL, and you've got to pass the win in the league. And everybody, like, er, everybody's got an uncle like Matt Rue. He just talked way too fast. You yes. be like, hold on, slow down. I've said that just when he down. starts speaking, when it when it's when the tempo of his speech speeds up, it's like the thought is in his head, and he got he's got to get it out. But when he, when he says it all, some of it doesn't make sense. And like, like he hold on, hear what he's saying? It's like what well, you said. It's like the next sentence comes out before the first sentence. Yeah, he's just ram. He's just blah 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 blah. blah, blah. And then you go back and listen to it, and I'm like, this dude just said what? Like, I thought they built this offensive line to run the ball. They went and got Dante Foreman from the Titans to help run the ball. It was almost like they were trying to prove 
that they could move the ball without Christian McCaffrey touching it, which was infuriating because we're like, he's right there. He's right there. Just give it to him. And then what happens in the second half? He starts touching the ball. Good things start to happen. I won't even get into the referee stuff from that that game from last week. After game one, Christian McCaffrey on pace for 560 rushing yards and 400 receiving yards. I'm pretty sure that's going to change Sunday. uh, I'm just saying. saying. What did I tell you? Uh, what you and I have talked a couple weeks in a row here. Um, you are on one of my shows, and I said to you, This team, and I said it before the season started, they have the every position you look at, they have the potential to be really, really good, except for one the head coaching position. They are a head coach away, I believe, from going to the playoffs. It's almost like uh, David Tepper doesn't want to admit that he's done something wrong. Uh, and we're going to go play a team that interviewed uh, Matt Roll, the Giants. Uh, he interviewed the Jets and the Giants. And I think That's the only reason why he didn't, he didn't pick the Giants because the Giants wouldn't let him pick his own staff, uh, which in hindsight might have been good uh, for the Giants to put that out there because Rule has picked his staff the past three years, and we've seen the results of it so far. Um, he signed a seven-year deal. So on one hand, I kind of look at like, David Tepper's not going to swallow $45 million or whatever the buyout would be. On the other hand, uh, Skylar Callahan made a good point earlier this week that he already spent $180 million on sticking metal in the ground to build a facility that's never going to get finished uh, in Rock Hill. So that's like that's McDonald's money to David Tepper. He might not care about $45 million if he can just get uh, rule out, if that's what it is. I can't believe I'm talking about Matt Rule getting fired after week one of the season when he got he has a healthy Christian McCaffrey. Like It's just infuriating that you don't use your best player. and I would imagine they're going to correct that this Sunday, but we'll see. We'll we'll see. Um, we're a little bit later on. Christopher Price from uh, the Patriots report uh, from the Believe Network. He's going to join us in about I think about thirty minutes, and we'll go a little bit deeper on the AFC side because uh, I, I'm I think New England might only win like three or four games this year. Like th- this is the they look terrible versus yeah. Miami. So we'll get some more from him because I if they bottom out is this Belichick's last season like that's kind of what I'm looking at here because it's really starting to look like it was more Brady than Belichick those 19 years or whatever it was they were together in New England because they I can't name three players can anybody name three players on the current New England Patriots roster besides Mac Jones oh uh, yeah Matt Judon uh they got Jacoby Myers yeah Jacoby Myers and then Devontae Parker Oh, okay. See, I, I can't even prove that you're, you're right because I don't know if those players are. <laughs> they, got, they got Hunter Henry, Damian Harris. They got some guys. <laughs> yeah, Hunter Henry is a good ball boy. It's just, I don't know. That division looks rough, too. Uh, I was more, I was shocked by uh, how accurate and how dangerous Josh Allen looks right now. Uh, people are starting to call him the white Cam Newton. Um, I see the similarities, but he's way more accurate than Cam Newton was could ever imagine being. Like, I think he threw for like eighty percent or something nuts in that Thursday night game. Uh, is this the Bills' year? That sounds weird. I'm 44. That sounds weird to say this is the Bills' year. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't compute. But they look pretty complete to me the way it is right now. It, it, maybe them and the Chiefs, I guess, because the Chiefs were another surprise. I didn't expect them to be. Uh, that's good offensively. Pat Mahomes, I'm starting to think Tyreek Hill was a crutch. No, nah, remember you was screaming from the rooftops. Pat Mahomes, nothing without Tyreek Hill. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what I'm saying. I feel like – and it kind of showed it. Uh, all he heard all off. But when you got a Ferrari, when you got a, when you got a Ferrari, brother, don't you want to drive it? 
Yeah, but if I've got, you know, a Ferrari and I got a Lamborghini and I got a Corvette, I want to switch it up a little bit. I want to, you know, Monday I mean, do this. He, he didn't really have all of that. I mean, he had Kelsey and he had Hill. He drove them both. He had a bunch of other cars under covers. He didn't know what, what they were. <laughs> they were just sitting over on the other side of the house. But, I mean, he had the ability. I think that's why I've been reluctant to give Mahomes his props because it feels like it's backyard football half the time when you're watching him. And this past week was the first time really I'd watched him where it looked like he was actually – NFL quarterbacking, like, you know, climbing the ladder, staying in the pocket, finding receivers. Like, he, he spread the ball a lot. I think he was 30 for 37 or something like that, uh, passing. He looked really good, too. Um, but he still has weapons. You know, everybody forgets. They think yeah. the has gone. He he doesn't have any weapons. He has Schuster who came over, who had a decent game. What? Edwards out of the backfield is, you know, catches the ball. So, I mean, it's not – and then, of course, Kelsey, it's not like he doesn't have – it's not like Rodgers in Green Bay where he has no support again. Yes, you can't take away how great Tyreek was, but it's proving to you that when you take him away, the talent of Mahomes can still come out and distribute the ball to other people besides Hill. So do you think, um, going back to uh, Rod's opening salvo about the Cowboys, are they are they done? You said five wins? Are you sticking to that or...? Oh, you want to go back to the Cowboys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, yeah I mean, get it. Don't you understand sure that? I was going to win that division. And I like, mean, look, said, I said it once. Why do I have to say it again? I, I don't understand. I, I think Philly's going <laughs> I mean, because look, tell him again, Jalen. He, he said it already, guys. Why, why, <laughs> why are we torturing the man at this point? <laughs> I'll tell you what. <laughs> I mean, I'll say man, it for you, right? <laughs> look, man. <laughs> This even if Dak comes back, we talked about it. Don't him. matter. He's had yeah. 24 fumbles in his career. He you know, then he then he averages almost an interception a game. Anyway, you know, I mean, dude, he puts the defense behind the daggone chopping block all the time. So mm. I mean, the Cowboys are not gonna do anything until the admin, Jerry Jones, the front office, everybody else gets a revamp. I mean, that's Until just my two feelings. Yeah, his demise. We'll never it. rebuild. Like, I mean, I, like, yeah, that's great. I just saw this. Gotta put him in the dirt. It's the only way. <laughs> some, uh, <laughs> some NFL news. <laughs> some Guys, NFL. let me ask you a question. I'm Jerry Jones this week. I'm like, oh, man. We let me ask you a question, and it's a great question someone asked me, and I'd love to hear your answer. The Browns, who won last week with Jacoby Brissett. First 11 games, Deshaun's Watson. Let's say that the Browns for some reason go seven and four or something like that, or six and whatever, or, you know, have a winning record and they're winning and they're on a roll. When Watson comes back week 12, does he automatically start? Absolutely. Hell yeah. He's even making a quarter of a billion dollars. Not, like, well, he's he's not, not, he's, this year he's not, but well, next true. year he is. But so the I, question I is, him sit, nah, after doing so all this you don't stuff, go with the winning formula? That's winning. I mean, if you're winning that division at that time. You're winning it, so, okay? okay? You're telling me you're putting in a guy that hasn't played in a year and a half, two years, to go ahead and lead the team and put him set on the bench. I mean, if I'm the Cleveland different scenarios there because them being six and five or seven and four and eleven in games, right? It depends little, on the record. You're right, right. right. It, yeah. Then you win the, them leading the division. Now, they're, if they're six and five, seven and four, how about eight and three? Seven, if they're eight and three in first place in the division, they 
We might not need to switch they're over. We got going the on. North. Yeah, yeah. but that's what I was about to say. Possibly, possibly the best and most talented division in the NFL. I would say if they're six, six and five, seven and four, two games out of first place in the division, maybe, maybe a game back in the wild card or whatnot. There's no way he doesn't get in the game to see what he can bring right. to that offense that Jacoby Brissett doesn't because he brings the an athletic element that Jacoby Brissett doesn't, and then he has a bigger arm that Jacoby does as well. So, I'll, go even, I'll go even further. What if you do bring back Deshaun Watson and he stinks it up because he hasn't played in going on two years or whatever? Like, he's not going to come out. He's not going to be the same top I think honestly, I think, honestly, the, the franchise is already kind of – they've already made their peace with 2022-2023 that this might not be the year that they get back to the playoff just because of everything that had to happen with Deshaun and his, his suspension. Um, but coming out and beating Baker week one in Carolina, that does boost morale. Uh, that does. But Jalen, you know, doesn't this team, um, besides maybe the quarterback position, and I'm not, I have nothing against Brissett, they have some of the best talent all around on that do. team when you Brissette, break down yeah. the defense and the weapons on offense. It's just the quarterback. It's kind of like when you think of the Panthers, they're missing a quarterback. You know, that's yeah. what it is. Larry, well, Brissette, I think yeah. Brissette didn't win that game for the Browns Sunday. Like he only Don, threw like Donovan Peoples Jones won that game. Right. Yeah, he was moving yeah. third down chains all day long. Uh, he was hooping. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, no. honestly, it was Nick Chubb. They couldn't like every the first Panther that met Nick Chubb on Sunday bounced off every single time. Like y'all barely brought him to the ground, pushed him yeah. out of bounds a lot. The game tackle, yeah, the, dude, they were late getting there every time. It was yeah, crazy. that's right. The Browns had the great running game. They played the old school football yeah. with who they yeah. have, and that's what they were supposed to do. The, but Larry, the going back to your like. um, original question, if the Browns are eight and three, um, what you do is you leave Jacoby Brissett, and more than likely. They're eight and three because of the rushing attack. And if they're eight and three, you allow Deshaun Watson to start getting reps. You allow him to start working and practice. And what you do, and the reason that you do that is you may need him when the playoffs hit. Because you, you know, football, everybody's the healthiest of what they're going to be every single game. They're the healthiest right then and there because moving forward, you're going to get hurt. So we don't know what the future is going to hold for Jacoby Brissett. But you allow Deshaun Watson to start picking up momentum. You allow him to start gelling with the team. You allow him to get reps in practice. You allow him to be, have an understanding of what's going on. Because supposedly, he's not supposed to have any contact with the team. He's not right. supposed to be doing anything with the exactly. team. So he's completely cut off. You're That's talking about a guy who has yeah. nothing going on with the team and has no chemistry with anyone on the team, including the coaching staff. So if they're eight and three, yeah, you leave Jacoby and then you start getting um and uh, Rob, Watson maybe, up to right. up the park. And maybe you put him in on certain plays like they do Taysom Hill sure. with the uh Saints and like you said, get him used to the flow of the game again and then ease his way back in. And if you're winning with Brissett, what the heck are you taking him out for? Keep that formula going. At least yeah. the momentum going until yeah. the momentum ride the wave, they say, right? That's, That's I mean, right. And if you and if you're winning with Brissett, what you're gonna do is you're hopefully gonna get Jacoby Brissett stock up. So if you get his stock up, hopefully you can for trade him, him get yep. something for him because you paid a heck of a lot of money for Deshaun Watson. Absolutely. So you know, you try and look at it on two ends when you're talking about football operations as well as the business side of it. 
Yeah, Real quick, uh, then I got to get us to a, a break. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert suffered a fracture to his rib cage during Thursday night's loss to the Chiefs. He's considered day to day. The Chargers have nine days before they play again. They play the Jaguars at SoFi Stadium. Alvin Kamara is questionable with a rib injury against the Bucks. Um, we can see if there's any other injuries. All I know is they better, keep, they, be, they better keep that doctor uh, that ruined Tyrod Taylor career away from Justin Herbert. I tell oh, you the that. dude that uh, punctured his lung or whatever? Same yeah. injury. Same <laughs> yeah. injury. Ooh, ooh, same team, too. Right? Yeah, same, you are. Same, yeah. Yeah. Same that's, how, that's how we heard about That's how we learned about Justin Herbert. I, I hope that dude's not still employed with the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, but hey, he might have came we'll, to this. We'll, we'll find out next week. Let me take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into college uh, football, check in with the ACC Big Four. Uh, it's the first time ever the ACC Big Four has started uh, 2 and 0. Like all four teams are 2 and 0 right now. We'll debate who do you think the best football program is in the state of North Carolina and I'll get you caught up on high school football scores from last night me and Rod were out in Pofftown for East Forsyth versus Reagan uh Jalen you said you were at uh the Page Southwest Guilford game that we had on WCOG we'll, we'll briefly touch into that as uh, a lot of these teams start to get in the conference play and then a little bit later on like I said David Glenn's in the house Chris Lee is in the house Chris Price from uh Patriots Report will be here so uh stick around we'll be back in just a bit you listen to the rundown WWBG 1470 AM and tobacco you're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come look for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. Franchise players. Welcome back. Sports Channel 8's Ben Swain. How you doing, man? I love that you guys are doing what you're doing. I love that we're doing what our work we're doing because the local sports fan is really underserved in, uh, in, in sports radio here in, in North Carolina. Being able to, Monday morning after the New Carolina game, being able to listen to local guys talk about the local game. Franchise players every Friday afternoon at 5 p.m. on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and at 6 p.m. on WCOG 1320 a.m. and WTOB 988. Looking to tailgate this summer? Stop by One Stop on the way. One Stop number six, located just one mile west of East Forsyth at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. One Stop serves fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Feeding a crowd? Get 16 pieces of chicken and sides for just $27.99. Craving wings? Come try our new spicy breaded wings. Get a five-wing meal with six taters and a roll for just $7.39. Now in regular hot ranch or spicy. One stop number six, 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. 
Hey, Pops, where you want to go eat tonight? I'm going to go get me some good Southern cooking at Ball Brothers down by the airport in Winston. No, Pops, it's Bell Brothers, and they closed years ago. It's Taste of the Triad now. Taste of the Triad? Is it in the old Ball Brothers building? Yup. Can I still get baked chicken and collard greens? Sure can. How about neck bones, meatloaf, and pork chops? Taste of the Triad has all that. So they ain't got pinto beans, tater salad, mac and cheese, or fried okra? Pops, they have all that, plus homemade cakes and cobblers and sweet potato pie. Well, then I don't care what they call it. Let's go eat. Taste of the Triad. Open daily for lunch with $5.99 specials from 11 to 2 and chef specials daily. Don't miss the Saturday brunch from 9 to 1 and the soulful Sunday dinner when you come out of church full of the word but hungry for Southern comfort food. Taste of the Triad in the old Bell Brothers building at Old Walkertown Road and North Liberty in Winston-Salem. That's good Southern cooking. You deserve to get good service and great rates. At State Farm, we get it. And we're here to help because with every State Farm policy, you get good neighbor service and you get surprisingly great rates. So what are you waiting for? Get going and talk to a local State Farm agent about your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to State Farm underwriting requirements. When you want the real deal, call State Farm agent Susanna Nunn in Kernersville today. Welcome to the Triad's Best Kept Secret, Tucker's Grill, located on the corner of Highway 66 and High Point Road at 4110 North Main Street in High Point. Open 6.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. Voted some of the best burgers in the Triad, Tucker's Grill also offers breakfast plates, breakfast sandwiches, hot dogs, lunch sandwiches, and homemade soup during the winter months. Visit Tucker's Grill for lunch today, 4110 North Main Street in High Point. Back to the Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Welcome back into the Rundown here live every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. to 12 noon on WWBG, 1470 a.m. and Tobacco Road, sportsradio.com. If you want to participate in the show, if you got a hot take, if you want to comment on something that we just said, you can do so. Go to the YouTube uh, video or the Facebook watch video. Comment in the comments with your question. It will appear here at the bottom of the screen, and we will answer it for you live on air. Just like uh, this franchise player here, John Mundy, comments, Larry looking good in his UT shirt. Bless Rod's heart. I believe that's for uh, his Dallas woes from. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, we need a blessing. We need a Tennessee, big blessing. Tennessee looking good. Tennessee looking good. Um, let me get into some. Uh, let me get into some uh, scores here real quick from uh, from last night. Uh, our high school football coverage. Uh, the WTOB High School Football Game of the Week, East Forsyth taking on Reagan. Me and Rod were out there with Chad Delp calling that game. Let me let me say this right now to the Triad. Press boxes around the Triad. We we got to talk. Y'all got to step the game up because uh, Reagan. <laughs> we walk, I walked into the press box at Reagan. Let me tell you, they they had fried fish. They had popcorn Ooh. shrimp. They had chicken Colorado. They had some kind of crazy spaghetti in there. Yeah, spaghetti with the cheese on top and the um, pepperoni on top of it. Uh-huh. Like some fancy spaghetti was in there. Uh, they had buffalo chicken chunks. They had grilled chicken tenders, fried chicken tend. Like no vegetables were inside. And they had loaded really- potato skin. Yes. Ridic- sweet tea. Like they, Reagan. I couldn't even know out of Reagan. 
Reagan was on point last yes, night. We were. were like, what is going on in here? And I asked them, they that said it was a restaurant delicious. up the road. Man, it smelled like it smelled like Dudley when I walked into the. the Ooh, uh, hold yeah, on now, hey, wait, 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 wait. I walked in, I was like, "Where am I? Like, what is going on over here?" And I walked in, I'm like, "What is all this?" And they were like, "Oh, this restaurant up the street. They just really wanted to, you know, show their thanks for us asking the sponsor and yada yada yada." I'm, I'm man, I, it was the fastest I ever put together my remote kit so I could go over there and get a plate <laughs> real quick before. And I, I went over to the side room and I texted Rod because we were trying to plan our dinners or whatever. And you never know if there's going to be food in the press box, except for a couple places. And I, as soon as I got there, first thing I did, I text Rod. I'm like, man, they got fried fish and shrimp in here. You better hurry up because I don't know. Uh, I don't know the situation, but you need to come on, get in here. And and, and they had plenty. It was plenty <laughs> yeah. left over. And I Dude, mean, all I ate was dumping fish and shrimp. The fish That's all I ate. In to like this other pan. I wanted to be like, hey, man, can I get it to go plate? Like, oh, <laughs> I didn't want, I, it was just me and one guy left in there. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to do it. But uh <laughs> Reagan uh, falls to East Forsyth 37 to three uh, last night. East Forsyth still ranked number one in most of uh, the major polls, max preps, high school OT uh, across the board in the state of North Carolina. Um, me and Rod, we called that game. It's, it's 37 to three is a score, but it felt like a closer game than 37 to three. That Reagan team is actually pretty good. Uh, they're going to be around uh, come November in the playoffs. They're, they're, they're fast. They're, they're real tough nose. They're hard hitting. Uh, I think last night was just an example of East has had more talent on the field uh, than Reagan did. The East Forsyth defense is starting to mold into something really special. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with them in terms of uh, East Forsyth. Some other scores from around the area. Smith defeated Atkins 30 to, uh, excuse me, 20 to 13. Moorhead beats North Forsyth 21 to 14. Mount Tabor outlasted West Forsyth 29 to 13. I actually heard the tail end of that. Dale Pul uh, Dave Pulaski and Drew Brackett. Uh, we're calling that game on a different station. So I got a chance to hear that when we were leaving out of uh, Reagan's parking lot. Uh, Mount Tabor undefeated 4-0 on the season. West Forsyth has not won yet, 0-4. Uh, I can't remember a year where West Forsyth has started off in this manner. So uh, we'll keep an eye on them as conference play starts. Page defeats Southwest Guilford 10-7. Uh, Ledford put it on Providence Grove 42-21. Ooh, Northwest Guilford defeated. Is that right? Northwest Guilford defeated Western Guilford 69 to 6. Um, we saw that, Rod. We saw that Northwest Guilford team week one uh right. in Coonsville. They took on East Forsyth, and, and to date, they've been the biggest no uh, challenge. That kid Bristol Carter is real nice. Yeah, we yeah, had they have on, a good uh, team Pride All Stars a week or two ago. Ryan uh Ryan uh Smith had him on. No, he is not he is cold on the baseball diamond. Northwest Guilford had some players like uh, mm -hmm. we, we came away from that game feeling like, OK, they're going we might see them again in the playoffs in the West region or something because they pretty good. That quarterback yeah. Tanner Blue is pretty good, too. Um, yeah, they put some points up against East defense. Yeah, they, I think they're the only ones that scored more than what actually they are. The only they scored 30 some points. Yeah, they scored 30 something points on this East defense week yeah. one. So uh, Reedsville doing Reedsville things 48 to nothing over Andrews. Uh, Dudley gets back on the winning path 49 to zero over High Point Central. Uh, I'm glad I flexed out of that game because I was supposed to be the game of the week over on that side, and we moved it over to that Dudley. I meant that uh, Page uh, Southwest Guilford contest. North Davidson falls to Asheville, 29 to 15. Uh, Salisbury defeats Thomasville, 35 to 12. Ragsdale outlasted Northern Guilford, 38 to 37. Ooh. Last time we checked on that game yeah. last night, Ragsdale was a big Northern Guilford. Must have mm -hmm. really came back. Uh, Grimsley beats Southeast Guilford 35 to 7. People ain't talking about Grimsley. Have you noticed that? No one's really talking about Grimsley this year. They're undefeated. It's because they got a freshman quarterback, but yeah. he is balling. So, I mean, keep an eye on uh, Coach Brown's squad in uh, Greensboro because they're 
in this loaded western region too uh southern guilford over rockingham county 33 to 25 uh you got northeast guilford falling to eastern guilford 38 to 6 Davy defeats Reynolds 37 to 13. Carver falls to Christ the King 27 to 6. Glenn gets on the winning path. Uh, they are now two and two, 38 to 8 winners over Parkland last night. Community School of Davidson. I don't know where y'all are or what kind of athletes you have, but they beat the brakes off of Bishop McGinnis last night. 68 to 21 uh, was your final there. Oak Grove winners over West Stanley 24 to 12. And East Surrey defeated North Wilkes. 55 to 17 today in uh college football in the acc i don't know why but wofford and virginia tech are kicking off at 11 o'clock so they're kicking off in like 20 minutes here uh at lane stadium in blacksburg uh north carolina's on a bye we'll get to these tar heels in just a second rod because boys need a buy <laughs> they, they, need a rest. they need a couple of buys i think they feel like they're an arena football league or something <laughs> maybe coach rez needs to uh run the uh the offense or something because it's just zoom 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 like the whole day it's 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 maddening as a carolina fan they to, need somebody to come take over that defense yeah <laughs> well they tried didn't they put chiswick in there in this first yeah chiswick yeah. is in there i mean he had a heck of a defense when he was down at auburn but hey man i don't know if the game's passed him by or not i don't know what's going <laughs> they on got, they, the game is passed him by <laughs> they got dudes like like, it's crazy when I'm watching a Carolina game and, like, I, I can look out and I can spot three, four kids on the defense that I've called their name in a high school football game in the triad over the past, like, four years. I mean, they've got some dudes. What's well, called Miles Murphy with a big-time field goal block. Yep. Really, really saved the day. Travis Shaw getting some run. Uh, Ra-Ra Dilworth, uh, Javari Ritzy. Like, they got dudes from this area. Uh, the last match said both came from Glenn. Uh, of course, Shaw came from Grimsley last year. They're just young, I think. I think they're just really young. Uh, freshmen and sophomores are the majority of the the talent that, uh, that they have. So don't know if uh, they're going to give Mac enough time to see this out all the way through, although I don't see them throwing Mac out either. Like, this is the most yeah. uh, notoriety the Carolina football program's probably gotten in a decade just from off the recruiting and, and everything else. Uh, real quick, though, and then we got to get to Chris Price. Um, who do you, Who would you say is the best college football team or not team, best college football program in the state of North Carolina right now? Because if we asked this question a couple of years ago, we might have could have said North Carolina A&T, or we could have said, yeah. you know what I mean, or something to that effect. We are no longer on the ballot. No, not at the <laughs> moment. And they're still, I'm giving them uh, a break because they didn't play a year, and these other schools still kind of figured out a way to play. The MEAC shut down for, like, all of 2020, so they skipped a year. We got, just, we got deeper but, problems than – reps yeah well well yeah well uh donald Ware is uh <laughs> donald Ware will be on hour number two we're gonna get into that a little bit um and of course head coach sam washington we do their uh coaches show that's every thursday at six o'clock uh here and on wsjs on terrestrial radio but let's go around real quick if you had to name a team or a program right now as you would say it's the best college football program in the state of north carolina who would it be uh rod what would you say I mean, you got the three big ACC teams, NC State, Wake, Carolina. They're all undefeated right now so far. It's so hard to go. Yeah, do too. So it's hard to go against them. However, I'm going to have to go against all of them because I'm going to have to say the best program is Appalachian State. Absolutely. I don't care. I don't care if App lost to Carolina by a score of 63 to 61 or not. I mean, those guys do more with less. They should have won that has players. I'm glad they yeah. didn't because that was my birthday on that day. Sad day. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I couldn't yeah. have that. But <laughs> you know, 
app does more with less. And what I mean by that, app has players that Carolina, NC State, Wake, Duke say, ah, you're not good enough to come here. Really? We're not good enough to come here, but we can go down to Texas A&M and we can beat them. You know, we, we're not good enough to come here, but we're the ones who have college game day at our campus today. You know, I mean, it, I mean, look, Man, that, that is campus, a heck of a if it's still program. Standing, if it's still standing right now, like, I, they've been And Rod, how about Chase Bryce? How about that kid, oh, Chase, Chase Bryce, the quarterback at Appalachian oh, yes. State? He is doing big things, man. He can put the ball where it needs to go. He can thread the needle. But not only that, the Sun Belt Conference in general, it's a tough conference, man. You're talking about Georgia Southern just beating Nebraska. Yep. Yeah. Marshall just beat Notre Dame. Awesome. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and Notre then Dame's again, here's App. Just Dame. now, App is beating um, Texas A&M. So, look, that conference is a heck of a conference. So, yes. best program in North Carolina, I'm going to have to go with Appalachian State. Shout out to Imani Marshall, uh, East Forsyth graduate, was at Wake Forest, transferred to uh, App State, got that touchdown in front of 100,000-plus people. I can only imagine what that feeling is like. Uh, so, mm -hmm. I think think he made a good move. Shout out to his dad, Mark, uh, Malcolm, as well, a uh, friend of the program. Um, real, before I switch to, uh, to Jalen, John uh, John Mundy uh, comments in, it's Wake Forest. How many straight bowl games and a championship game appearance last year? They the, the do more with less champs. I Wake is right up there uh, with App in terms of competition. Well, in terms of this conversation, Jalen, what would you say? So when it comes to program, I would agree with Rod just because of the last two decades of football that App State has been able to put together, right? But when it comes to the best football team in the state of North Carolina right now, it's Wake Forest because they've got the best quarterback, Sam Hartman. Sam he's, a, he's a baller. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, he, and then he's a leader. Like the way the guys rally around him, you know, I know he had this health situation with the blood clots and everything. Yeah. But you could just see last week how the guys just, like, once they found out that Sam was going to be back Thursday, the environment changed. The sound bites that came out of Wake changed, the energy changed. And I mean, as soon as the boys got on the plane, you knew they were, they weren't going, they weren't messing around in Nashville, and they beat the brakes out of Andy, who's not a, you know, historically not a good football program, but still an SEC opponent. And for the for Wake to go out there and dominate the way they did, and for Sam to look as strong as he did under center, like he didn't miss, it looked like they literally played the the uh, the bowl game maybe two or three weeks ago. That, that's how the offense looked with Sam Hartman on the field. It doesn't look like the last time he played was in January. Um, and I, Wake seems like the Wake needs to beat Clemson. I feel like it's the only thing left for them to do to get Absolutely. national notoriety because we all know living here that they've been pretty good under Dave Clawson for years and pretty solid as well. Uh, it's starting to feel like they, they, they have an identity. They know what they are. So, I'd, yeah, I'd put Wake up there. Uh, Larry, uh, would you agree with these guys? App State, Wake Forest, you got another – well, I agree with App State, and I got to give credit to Sean Clark over there. The great, great job. Could be considered one of the better coaches because, like Rod said, he's doing more with less. So you got to give the man credit for the way he gets this team ready week in and week out. But I think a lot of you are leaving out North Carolina State. I mean, Devin Leary has a rocket of an arm. They got a great running game. They got this one running back. I can't pronounce his name, but he's averaging – 7.1 yards per carry so far in the first two games. They're ranked. Uh, so, and, you know, I take the early college football rankings with a grain of salt because they never know what they're doing anyway when they pick these teams. But 
I think you got to put NC State up there. Um, you know, I like Wake Forest, but I think NC State, if you're talking about today, which team I would pick Appalachian State first and NC State second. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go through the commercial break because we're getting towards the top of the hour and I have uh, waiting with us here. He is the host of the Patriots Report, one of the many uh believe podcasts uh that are out there right now there's a podcast for all 32 nfl teams on the believe podcast network uh christopher price joining us here chris um we're just gonna go right into it because we were talking about this a little bit earlier how concerned are you about your patriots because uh for some of us we've been waiting for this day a very long time We've been waiting on this day for forever, like two decades, to finally look at the Patriots after a week one and go, it's finally here. It's finally starting to happen. Do you, do you feel that way up in Boston, in that area right now, the New England area? Are they kind of looking at this Patriot team going, what are we doing? Or is it still, you know, in Belichick we trust, we're going to figure this out, we're not even concerned? My philosophy over the years, having covered this team in some form or fashion since 2001, is especially when it comes to the first few weeks of the season, it's never as good as you think it is and it's never as bad as you think it is, unless you're talking about the 2017. <laughs> then they really are as good as you think they are. Yeah. Were, they were as good as you think they are. I, I think that there is a level of concern at this point in, in the season when it comes to the Patriots and when it comes to the overall feeling up here. They want to see how this whole offensive play calling thing is going to shake out between Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. It's my philosophy I think at some point in the season, we're going to see Bill Belichick start to call plays. I don't know if that's going to be over the course of the full season or if it's just going to be a couple of games till they get things figured out. But I think really right now, the biggest question is about the offense and specifically the offensive play call. Yes. Uh, sorry, I think my somebody's phone was going <laughs> doing something there at the very end. Um, do you feel like... In the AFC, and I wanted to kind of keep us on the AFC side because we were really NFC a little bit earlier in the hour. Do you feel like uh, in the AFC that it's Bills, Chiefs, and everybody else? Because it, it, it feels like that after week one. And going off what you said, you know, you can't really put it all on just one game. But uh, Josh Allen's performance last Thursday, it feels like he played like three weeks ago. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's been so long since we, we saw them play. It's almost making me kind of – not remember correctly what I saw on that Thursday yeah. night, uh, but you know we'll see them here on Sunday, and and then of course the Chiefs' performance, uh, Pat Mahomes without Tyreek Hill, kind of making a statement uh, last Sunday. If you had to bet right now, which one of those two teams is going to end up uh, in February? Would you would you bet on Bills? Would you bet on Chiefs? Or would you bet on the field? Uh, I, you know what? I would also I would put in that conversation. I would put the Chargers in there as well. Yeah. I, I think that that team. The way they went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs on Thursday night, the level of talent they have on both sides of the ball. Look, I you know I watched J.C. Jackson here for a couple of years. Guy's an elite cornerback. And to be able to add him to a defense that already has Bosa, they added Mack in the offseason, they have all those options on the offensive side of the ball. I think the Chargers are part of that. But right now, I don't know if it's me viewing things through an AFC East lens. Oh, did we lose Chris? It looked like it. We might have, might have lost Chris. That's unfortunate because I had a good question for him, too. Let's see if he'll uh, refresh. I even had a good question for him. Yeah, I was going to say for everybody to jump Larry, in. Larry, you don't have no good questions. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good point. We'll see if uh, – I mean, he's, he's back. There he is. Okay, there he he's is. back. Okay. Chris, can you hear us? Yep, I got you. All right, there he is. Okay, uh, so 
Uh, I think the roundtable had some questions they wanted to ask. Uh, Jay well, I wanted him to finish his thought because we kind of lost him when he said the a AFC. You're right, you're right. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I, I don't know if, if, if I'm viewing it through an AFC East lens, but that Bills team right now is just an absolute wagon. The way they operate on both sides of the ball, the way Josh Allen is playing. Uh, again, you know, we get a chance to see him twice a year here, so maybe I'm a little bit biased in that regard. But but the Bills for me right now is the Bills, Chargers, and Chiefs. Probably uh, the Bills, Chiefs, and Chargers, probably in that order. Maybe you add the Ravens in there too, depending on you know, depending on where they are. You, have, you know, they're always going to be competitive. Um, but yeah, I think the Bills right now for me are the team to beat in the AFC. Uh, for me, real quick before I get I turn it over to the, the, the panel, every time I see the Bills, a part of my my heart just like sinks because it, really they their 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 seeds are the remnants of the 2015 Carolina Panthers. Like mm -hmm. we call them Panthers North down here because they but <laughs> from Sean McDermott to Brandon Bean, part of the roster. It's all kind of plucked from guys that came from the Panthers organization when we were at our you know highest. And it hurts to see uh, the Bills build basically the 2015 Carolina Panthers. That's what it feels like when I'm seeing them, except they've got better skill position players. But the, the premise is still the same. It's all based around uh, a, a gigantic quarterback that's got a cannon arm that can pretty much do things you haven't seen a quarterback do. And it's got a great offensive line. You got a solid top-notch defense. Like, there's not a lot of holes. The Bills probably could use a if they had like a top-notch running back. I think that would be the you know, the chef's kiss of everything. Yeah. And it's it's like uh, it's almost like Josh Allen is the running back. And I've seen that script before. And I'll say it right now, it does not. It's not a long movie. It is not a long movie at all. It, uh, <laughs> it's not Titanic. It's going to be one of them short like Disney Plus joints. Like it's going to be four or five years of just getting premium josh allen and if they don't figure out a way to, to lighten the load there that is that's he might not make it through the contract he just signed in terms of playing at a peak level so mm -hmm. i'm curious about what they do for that um let's turn it over to the panel real quick they had some questions for you chris uh, appreciate you being here uh co-host of the patriots report one of the uh believe podcasts uh nfl podcasts we have here um on the believe network uh jalen you said you had a question yeah i did so first of all chris i wanted to thank you for uh sneaking my my ravens in the, in the back door there at the end because i was about to say when you got the best pure football player in in the in the league you always got a chance always got a chance but anyway we don't have any tackles but regardless <laughs> now here goes the question right what, what, what is the what is the temperature like in the new england area with the fan base the patriots fans now having lost to the dolphins four straight games and it's looking like a fifth is on the horizon. Is that just is that like a barometer for you guys just to let you know how far the mighty have fallen? Yeah, it really is because this is a team, and you're talking, you know, we, we can joke about the Bills, how much they dominated the Bills. They, they dominate the Jets. They still regularly dominate the Jets. But to be able to lose four straight to the Dolphins and Tua, I, I think it's interesting because we talk a lot up here about Bills' dominance over young quarterbacks. Not so much, you know, rookie quarterbacks, but just young quarterbacks. And to have a guy like Tua beat you four straight out of the gate for the first time in the New England era, it's ever happened under Bill Belichick. They've never had a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback beat them four times out of the gate. And look, we can argue all the live long day about the, the veracity of you know, quarterback wins. I, I don't really buy into that. But, but just the fact that Tua has beaten Bill four times to start his NFL career, I think people look at that a little bit and say, yeah, you know, I wonder if he's figured it out, you know, and for the longest time, no one could beat Bill. 
in this division. Nobody, no young quarterback could beat Bill in this division. And to be able to have a guy like that come out of nowhere, not come out of nowhere, but you guys know what I mean, to be able to, yeah. to win four games right out of the gate against Bill Belichick really says something. I, I just think overall, like I said, the questions are really on the offensive side of the ball when it comes to this team and their inability to execute in week one. It's going to be interesting to see if they're going to be able to flip that script and turn things around in week two against Pittsburgh. Larry, you had a question? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to impress Jalen with my question here. Um, <laughs> Chris, let me ask you this. You know, a lot of crap for Bill Belichick since Tom Brady has left the team. You know, it, you know, was it Tom Brady? Was it Bill Belichick? And But to get to the point of the question is, when you look at last year's Patriots team, 10 and 7, didn't have a lot of a supporting cast around Mac Jones. Could last year have been... Could last year have been the best year of coaching by Bill Belichick? I, I don't know if it was the best year of coaching by Bill. I think it's certainly in the top five. I would put the 2008 team in there, the one where Tom went down the first week of the season and they still got to 11-5. and five. They didn't make the playoffs with Matt Castle, a guy who had a, really yeah. an absolutely awful preseason that year. So I would put that probably at number one. But the, you know, last year is probably two or three. People forget that the Patriots were the number one seed. For a large part of the second half of the season last year, um, I'm not saying that was all on Mac, but I think Mac was certainly very impressive as a rookie to be able to get them to that level. So I think ultimately to answer your question, I don't think it was Bill's best coaching job, but it was one of Bill's best coaching jobs. I'll put it that way. Rod, did you have anything for uh, for Chris? No, no, no questions for Chris, man. I'm, you know, Bill Belichick. I still like Bill Belichick. I know that they're having some issues right now. And a guy like Bill Belichick is always going to get it figured out. I have no doubt about that. It may take a little bit of time, but I think he deserves that time to get it figured out just because of what he's done for the New England Patriots. I got to follow up. Yeah, I was, well, okay. I was going to say real quick, uh, just kind of going off of what Larry was alluding to there. Uh, Chris, do you ever – does it ever cross your mind that that question that the rest of the league kind of asked, it, was it more Belichick or was it more Brady, considering Brady had success after leaving New England, basically with a custom-built team for him down in Tampa – but he kind of just slid right in, uh, and, and they go win a Super Bowl. Looking back on it now in hindsight, would you point the needle more towards one of those guys than the other in terms of being more responsible for the Patriots dynasty? Would you put it more towards Belichick, or would you put it more towards Brady? That single question has powered sports talk radio up here for the last two and a half years. So I've got it, I've got it written down on a post-it note. There you or something. go. There you time. go. Yeah. You know what? It's <laughs> it's funny. I believe I have this long-running argument with my 17-year-old son. My 17-year-old son is a firm believer in look, it was Tom Brady all the all along. He was the guy. He's the reason behind the six Super Bowl championships. My belief is I point the needle a little bit more toward Belichick because he was not only the coach. He was the GM. He was the guy who brought those players in over the course of that 20-year period. So if I have to lean one way or another, I'm leaning a little bit more toward Belichick, going like 52 to 48 maybe. Not a whole lot, but again, he gets the edge for me just because he was the guy who brought the players in. He acted as the GM, not just as the coach. Do you think they regret cutting Brady? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Now, yeah. yeah. I mean, Bill's whole thing was, you know, let go of a guy a year too early as opposed to a year too late. But I think this really, this ultimately backfired. But then, you know, you look at the history. Hey, you know, Montana left San Francisco. You know, Peyton left Indianapolis. You know, it it, it, it happens. It does. It's happened. But I, I do think ultimately they regret what happened. And, and De- Brady, Desmond, Brady, let's, not, let, let's not forget that the best team he ever played on 
probably was that first year with Tampa Bay. He never had a better team than that team. No, you mean I would, I would, I would say the two, the 2017, the 2017. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one team that, um, should have won a Super Bowl and didn't. There's a couple of teams out there that should have won Super Bowls and didn't. That's the first one that comes to mind. Is that the, the other one too? If I could just if I could just jump in real quick. The first mm-hmm. four weeks of the 2010 season, you look at that roster they had, where they had Randy Moss, Rob Gronkowski, Julian Edelman, Aaron Hernandez. They, they had that. That was an absolute. That was a ridiculous collection of talent. That 2007, and then and then they ended up trading. They ended up trading Moss. They got Deion Branch back. But if they could have kept that offense together. I think that offense would rival the 2007 offense. Man, it's it's crazy that Tom Brady came back. You know what I mean? Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm still sitting here trying to figure out why the dude came back. You're married to a supermodel. You just signed a 300 million dollar deal. Not happy office. either. No, she's not happy. <laughs> she's not happy at all. <laughs> and honestly, it's making Tom not happy. I, I, I don't like, know. I don't know what everybody else's marital status is on the panel. But Desmond, you know, you got a wife. You know why he. You know why he left. You know how he wanted to go back to work. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Good, good answer, Dez. It was a test. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about, Dez. No idea. <laughs> I don't know why. I, don't know. <laughs> I have no idea why I did. But it only took him 40 days to whatever happened. It took him 40 days of seeing it to be like, nope, I need to go back. But now it sounds like he's like uh, going against that when you, when you see him in press conferences where he's kind of alluding to – it's almost like he's landing. because he still got to go home, Dez. He yeah. still got to go home. He's a lot of Man, he still got to go home. You know, got to make sure everything's smooth. Got to build on a strong, sturdy foundation. Yeah. So, but I bet New England wish they had those problems today. Like, I feel <laughs> like I feel like we'd have a better sense of what New England was if Tom Brady was still there, because we saw so many years where New England, just like this, it would be basically Brady and a, a, a bunch of almost like castoffs. It felt like that he could elevate. And the guy, nobody knew who Julian Edelman was until he was in this New England offense for the most part. Danny Amendola, you know, guys like that that were able to thrive in this hey, offense. Dez, I lived there. in New England. I lived in New England during the Steve Grogan eras. So I'll tell you, I've seen them real, real bad. And now it's it happens to every team, man. Well, you know, I already said in the preseason that we, all this talk that we've said about the Patriots and Chris, you can probably attest to this. They're going to still end up 10 and 7, uh, probably at the top of the division. Uh, we're all, they're going to win a bunch of like 24 to 21 type games, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> like real tight. Just like we won't be able to get a bead on them the whole year and then they'll get there to the final. Um, last one here for Chris, when, do, when is the end game for Bill? Like, what do you think would be the proper or the perfect time, uh, for him to finally step away? I mean, he's getting up there in age. Uh, he's done pretty much everything there is to do. He's widely considered the greatest coach in NFL history where where would be the good stopping point for Bill Belichick in your mind? Are you, thing. Guys, are you guys ready for, for that up there? It's it's one thing. He wants to be able to surpass Don Shula in the all-time record, uh, the, the all-time wins list. That, how, that's how, what he how wants. How far is he on that? Yeah, uh, he, it's it's like 20-something. I, I don't know the particular number. I know Shula was at 347. Uh, he's probably 20 to 30 away. Um, that for me... Years. Look, he, he's... Yeah, he's incredibly competitive, and I think that's what he wants to do. I think he wasn't able, in the wake of a lot of the Spygate stuff, and look, he grew up, I'll give you a little bit of backstory here. He grew up in, in Eastern Maryland, worshipping the Colts, worshipping Don Shula, and Shula's comments in the wake of Spygate, I think, really stung him. 
And I think he says, look, you know, we, okay, we weren't able to wipe you off the books with a perfect season back in 2007. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to surpass your record for all-time wins as a coach. I think that's what he wants. And I think mm -hmm. once he gets that, then we can start to have a serious discussion about him saying, all right, look, that's it for me. He's, so Don Shula has 328 wins, the most in NFL history. George Hollis is second with 318. Bill Belichick is third at 290. So he's about 38 wins behind uh, Shula. He could probably get there, uh, you know, if they have some good seasons, he could probably get there in three years, four years. Mm -hmm. yes. So, And I think the other thing, too, is if, is if you're the Kraft family, you can sell that. Even if your team is an eight-win team, a nine-win team, Look, let's, you know, come on down to Gillette Stadium. Let's see Bill Belichick take another step toward the record. I, I think ultimately, I, I wonder if it's, you know, and, and there's some debate there. Are you including regular season wins? Are you including postseason wins? I know the, the Dolphins, their official number is 347, which includes Shula's postseason wins. And I think that maybe changes the math a little bit. But, yeah, that, that for me is the end game for Bill. He wants to be able to surpass Shula. Real quickly, Des, I want to ask one last question. I'm sorry. I know we're going against time here. But Chris mentioned a great, great point there. When he, Let's say when Belichick does pass Don Shula, will that legacy and wins be challenged? We know it will be challenged by people in Miami, of course, because of some of the issues. You know, in baseball, you have PEDs. In, with Belichick, you have Spygate, Deflategate, a couple other issues. Will there be asterisks near that, or will they let that just go? In New England, I think they'll just let it go. I, I think the philosophy will be that the people who love him will just will love him even more because he's got the record, and I think the people that don't like him will just double down on it and just and just kind of dig their heels in and not recognize him. But I think ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, the NFL is going to recognize it, and so I think that's the only thing that you know. I think the only thing that that's he and his you know he and the you know the Patriots fans care about. Guys, we got to get out. I got to get you guys out of here for hour one. Uh, Chris, tell uh, everybody where they can find your work and uh, where they can find you on social media. I'm at C Price Globe on Twitter. That's C Price Globe, C P R I C E G L O B E. Uh, I write for the Boston Globe. I do some work for them as well. Um, and you can hear me and Legarrett Blunt on the Patriots Report every week on the Believe Podcast Network. Believe, I'm so proud to believe in what they've done the past year and a half, the growth that they've had, and the the hosts that I've met through these various shows. Uh, with Believe. Definitely will have you back on. My plan is to have Believe host on uh, throughout the NFL season uh, and just use the wealth of talent that, uh, that they've been able to assemble that's been available for us to use. And anytime you need me for anything, just you know, hit me up and I'm available to to uh, to come in and talk some nonsense about the Panthers. So Love it. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll be back in just a bit. Donald Ware, voice of the North Carolina A&T Aggies, gives us an A&T versus Duke preview. That game is 6 o'clock p.m. here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, 5.30 pregame. We'll be back in just a bit. You're listening to The Rundown, WWBG 1470 AM and com. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. You're listening to The Rundown. Uh, they're missing some parts, but Clemson's type of, like the number one or number two uh, recruiting class in the country, it feels like, or at least top five, like mm -hmm. the past four or five years. So it's oh, not yeah. like they don't have kids on the on the sideline waiting for an opportunity, like exactly. four and five-star kids that we haven't heard about. Some talking heads out there have said, whoa, whoa this Clemson team 
They don't have T. Higgins. They don't have these wide receivers. What are they going to do? They're going to just plug in the next two guys. Exactly. They, like they, they did the year doing. before. Yeah. The year before when Mike Williams this, was there. The year you, don't, <laughs> you don't win 10 plus games a year for like going. This will be like the 10th year in a row if they do it this year. You don't do that by depending on one or two guys and having a reload. And then two years later, you're back. Justin's been steady the whole time from Sammy Watkins. Before Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, sure. they have wide receivers. I, ain't wor- I don't even know who, what the names are going to be. I ain't even worried about that. Trevor Lawrence will find The Rundown with Desmond Johnson, Saturdays at 10 a.m. right here on Tobacco Road Sports Ready. Back to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Welcome back into the rundown here Saturday morning on WWBG 1470 AM. One of the places or the place in the triad to get all of your local sports talk. Desmond Johnson here with you every Saturday morning, live 10 AM to 12 noon, getting you ready for your Saturday afternoon college football kickoffs. And uh, Tobacco Road Sports Radio has got a good one for you later on this evening. A&T versus Duke tonight in Durham. Pre-game 5.30 p.m. kickoff at 6 p.m. With the voice of the North Carolina Anti-Aggies, Donald Ware. And joining me right now is that voice of the North Carolina Anti-Aggies, Mr. Donald Ware. What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? What's going on, Desmond? Good to join you this morning, man. Glad to be here. So we've got uh, – so A&T basically has been uh, – they've been road nomads, road warriors, I guess, so far this season. Uh, haven't had a home game yet going into week uh, three. Um, they are taking it on a Duke team. Well, they've got a uh, an 0-2 start right now after losing the Aggie Eagle Classic Week 1 down in Charlotte to North Carolina Central, and then a tough road matchup against one of the top teams uh, in this in this uh, level of college football in North Dakota State, having to go up there to Fargo last week. This week, yet again on the road, this time another Power 5 uh, school in Duke, taking on them on the road. Uh, Donald, what are you seeing from the Aggie so far this season that, reass- that A, reassures you that they're on the right track, and B, something you've seen that maybe worries you a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think the running game, number one, when you particularly when you talk about Bayshaw Tootin, I mean, the you know, the 120-plus yards that he had against North Dakota State uh, on last week, I think was very uh, impressive. I, I, you know, I watched him play all of last year, and he was used primarily as a more of a, a Swiss Army Knight uh, type of guy that in most of his big plays, were catches out of the backfield, right? So he he showed in this game that he can be a 20-plus uh, carry a game back. So I think he really showed uh, some things there. I, I think ANT's you know, of, of concern has got to be the quarterback position. Like, you know, um, it, it just hasn't, uh, you know, you, you were looking to find out exactly um, who's going to be the guy. And, and, and you can run a two-quarterback system, as Sam Washington said he will run, but you got to get, some solid play from either of your quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Zach Yeager's a little bit, got a little bit banged up in North Dakota's state. We'll see ultimately what happens today. You've got the incumbent there and, and Jalen Fowler. So you, you just like to see a little bit of, of more consistency out of, I think, out of the quarterback. Uh, actually starting right there with the quarterback position, any word, I know um, we do the the coaches show with coach Washington uh, early in the week over, uh, on the campus of A&T. That actually runs every Thursday night, 6 p.m. on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and WSJS 600 
News Talk Sports for the Triad uh, every Thursday evening. Did he mention anything uh, or did you catch a vibe in terms of which quarterback he might be leaning towards uh, going forward? Or do you think he might actually stick with this two-headed quarterback type situation? Yeah, I think, you know, you know, Coach Washington really likes to play it close to the vest. So he's not going to let you know anything until game time when we come on with pregame show. And I know you're asking me, what do I think? I mean, I, I, I think that if Jaeger is healthy, I think he's going to be your guy uh, that starts uh, the football game. And we'll see ultimately what happens in terms of how much he's going to, uh, you know, how much he's going to play if you're going to run two quarterbacks. I think he, I think he, he wants Jalen Fowler to succeed and knows Jalen Fowler has some tools. So he definitely wants to, to play both of them. But I think from a starting standpoint, if Jaeger is healthy, he's going to be your starter. Now, uh, looking at the other side here, the opponent, Duke, comes into this matchup with a 2-0 and record after beating Northwestern last week, a Big Ten team. What have you learned this week while doing prep for this game about these particular Blue Devils under first-year head coach Mike Elko? Man, I'm going to tell you what. You know, Of course, and we're proud to have uh, my show, Box to Row, air on TobaccoRowSportsRadio.com. Um, you know, I had him on a couple, three weeks ago, and then I talked with him this week about the matchup and you know again when he talked about it a couple of weeks ago he really didn't know right because you're trying to figure it out first time as a head coach even though he's been on all levels and he can certainly understand ant's level as a former fcs guy uh but now you know with those two games under his belt he's feeling pretty good i'm very impressed with duke to be honest with you i mean northwestern's no slouch team you know you blank temple temple's got a solid team the way in which I think Duke won that football game uh, speaks, especially at the end of the game, preserving the victory, uh, speaks to uh, uh, what Mike Elko has brought to the program uh, from a culture change perspective as well. And he's he's really involved in this thing, man. Like he's involved. They say that this is going to be uh, one of the most well-attended games maybe since uh, the Notre Dame game going back uh, to 2019. Of course, a and has a lot to do with that because A&T is going to bring a lot of fans. But I think oh, yeah. he's just yeah, he's just he's brought a different vibe to the Duke football program. I think I saw it sold out. So uh, I think I saw it this morning actually. So or actually not this morning, uh, Thursday morning. I think I saw that it was sold out. So yeah, uh, should be rocking out in Durham uh, for this matchup here. Uh, and of course, the Aggie uh, Nation starving for a win. Uh, up and down season last year. And I think a lot of them understand that the competition that you guys have been going up against the past couple of weeks to start this season uh, would hopefully steal the Aggies for conference play uh, once they got out of the non-conference part of this uh, season. And Coach Washington did mention during the coaches' show that, uh, you know, they may be 0-2 right now, but all the goals they had for themselves at the beginning of the season are still right in front of them, you know, uh, being able to compete for a championship, conference, all that other stuff. It's all still right there. So uh, give me. Donald Ware, voice of the North Carolina a Aggies on the line with us here on the Rundown Reporting as he prepares to call uh, A&T versus Duke later on tonight on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and the light 1400 AM, 96.3 FM uh, in Greensboro. Give us an Aggie on offense that you think can have a breakout game tonight against Duke that you've been keeping your eye on. Got to be Bayshaw, too. I mean, for, for A&T to, 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 to have success, in this football game, Bayshaw Tootin has to be able to run the football. And this is the thing, like, we've seen A&T 
against previous Duke's teams. Now, of course, this is a different team, different head coach, different culture. But we And by the way, you're looking at a Duke team only giving up 70 and a half yards rushing per game. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an A&T team that has had success running the ball against Duke for two straight seasons, if you will, going back to 19 and then going back uh, to last season. So he's got to be the guy. He's got to have some success. Mike Elko has the utmost uh, respect for him. Uh, so if a and wants to have success in the ball game, uh, they got to be able to run the football as they've been able to do uh, pretty, at least pretty decent, uh, really good last week against North Dakota State and then throughout the course of this season. And then on the other side of the ball, Donald, who's a couple of players on defense to keep an eye on uh, for Aggie fans? Number, you, you look, number 13, Jacob Roberts. He, he, he's the guy, uh, right? He's the heart and soul um, of this defense. Uh, but, you know, Tyquan King, inside linebacker, he wears number 10, by the way. This guy has had two phenomenal double-digit tackle football games, so watch out for him. Also, Duke is going to throw that football, so look out for Karan Prunty, the, the, uh, the transfer in uh, from Kansas, who had, a, who had a, a, a pretty solid game against North Dakota State also last week. And I got to say, uh, also, shout-out to my dude, uh, sophomore Jameson Warren, uh, from Kernsville, East Forsyth stand up. Uh, he's been doing some uh, some good things so far at the beginning of the season. I hope he's able to to continue on his path uh, for that young man as well. A lot of local talent just spread out uh, all over the place. Actually, uh, Duke has a couple of kids uh, either committed this year from the Triad or already there. Uh, and I know, of course, A and T's got loads and loads of of, uh, of talented kids here from the Triad from uh, our high school football. North Carolina A&T, the coaches show weekly on Tobacco Road Sports Radio online and WSJS News Talk Sports for the Triad this season, 6 p.m. Thursday nights. Aggies versus Blue Devils live this Saturday, September the 17th. There are a variety of ways that you can get to this football game. If you can't make it out to Durham to watch it in person, Aggie Nation, uh, the kickoff is at 6 p.m. The pregame with Donald Ware uh, is at 5.30 uh, p.m. You can hear it on terrestrial radio in the triad at 1400 a.m., 96.7, or excuse me, 96.3 FM, the light. Uh, you can, if you have the Sirius XM app, you can go, you can download the app to your phone, search North Carolina A&T. It'll pull the game for you there. If you want to listen to it online through our online stream, go to tobaccoroadsportsradio.com. You can stream it there through the main player. And we, this year we've added a new thing uh, to the North Carolina A&T athletics page. Each game day, we will pin the actual official audio stream of the A&T broadcast to the top of that Facebook page. So definitely uh, I just named like five different ways <laughs> to get to this football game. So if, if, if you still can't figure out a way to listen to this game, then you just haven't been paying attention. We've tried to do everything possible to make sure uh, we make it as easy as possible for the Aggie Nation to get the clearest uh, possible broadcast for this game in a variety of ways, whichever way makes you more comfortable to go. D, I know you got to get out of here. I know you're getting ready to make a call here in a couple hours. Uh, I'll be talking to you down the line in the studio here soon. Sounds good, Desmond. We appreciate you and to appreciate TobaccoRoseSportsRadio.com. And with that, we'll be out of here for uh, for the day. Stick around. Out of pocket with Michael Davis will come on next. Again, like I said, A&T versus Duke, our, uh, our Aggie game of the week tonight at 6 p.m. on TobaccoRoseSportsRadio.com and the light and the triad. We'll talk to you next week. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. It's game time. Brother Corpus has you covered. Check out the Clucking Football Feeding Frenzy for five deals. 25 fried chicken tenders, two jumbo sides, and one gallon of sweet or unsweetened tea for only $39.99.
special only valid via online ordering, just visit brother-cluckers.com to place your order and enjoy the games. Brother Cluckers, located in front of the Food Line Shopping Center at 1547 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Brother Cluckers. Hi, I'm Sabrina Kuhn-Godfrey. Hi, I'm Deanna Kaplan. Hi, I am Richard Watts. The Common Sense Choice for Winston-Salem Forsyth County School Board. It would be our honor to serve you. Make your voice heard by voting for Deanna, Richard, Sabrina, and and Common Sense. We need your support. Early voting starts October 20th. Paid for by Sabrina Kuhn-Godfrey for BOE, Deanna Kaplan for School Board, Richard Watts at Large School Board. To the Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Welcome back into the Rundown here on WWBG 1470 AM and online at com. Of course, you can watch and participate in the Rundown every Saturday morning live from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. If you go to the Facebook Live uh, showing of it or if you go to the YouTube channel for Tobacco Road Sports Radio, you can actually watch the show, interact with the show, leave questions in the uh, panel below. We'll see them live. We'll actually answer questions live while we're on the air. A loaded Saturday out of pocket with Michael Davis will be coming on right after us. And, of course, later on tonight, AMT taking on Duke and Durham. Sold out Wallace Wade Stadium. That is a 5.30 pregame show with the voice of the Aggies, Donald Ware. And then a 6 p.m. kickoff. AMT starting the season 0-2. Have not had a home game yet. They'll be at home next week, and we'll have that here for you on Tobacco Road Sports Radio as well. With me right now, friend of the station. Uh, always love having him on. Longtime host of the statewide David Glenn Show. Currently teaching sports media at UNC Wilmington. And, of course, right now doing uh, lots of great writing for Chapelboro.com. Just search Holding Court with David Glenn. You'll be able to see all the stuff he's done in 2021 and 2022. Uh, Mr. David Glenn joining us here. What's going on, brother? How you doing? I'm doing great, Des. Always fun to be with you, especially now that the games are being played again. Yes, it feels great that you – know, it's weird that this is the first real regular – like fall season of football that we've had since 2019. You know, it's been going on, uh, it's going on three years since we've had a season like this. And I started feeling it because, you know, I call high school football on Friday nights and it was weird calling those games to empty stadiums. And then they slowly, gradually started filling in. And now it's like back to, you know, back to normal. So it's just a really great feeling to see that and to see these college football stadiums just packed to the brim. Uh, although I, I would imagine there's probably about a hundred thousand or so, in uh, at Texas A&M that probably wishes they didn't go to the game last week. But we'll get to that in just a second. Um, I wanted to put you in the sports buffet. We haven't done it in a couple of weeks, and I like to uh, put our guests in there that can uh, answer a variety of topics. Uh, a lot of people that listen or watch the rundown, they know I'm not a huge baseball fan, but one of the things that I do enjoy is when there's something to do with home runs. Like, I, I love the home run. I love chasing records. I love all these things. There's two parallel storylines going on right now in Major League Baseball as we uh, head towards the end of the regular season to you, which is the bigger deal? Albert Pujols, Pujols uh, reaching the 700 home run club, possibly. I think right now, I think he's four away, five away, something like that. Or Aaron judge from the Yankees passing Roger Maris's 61 home run record, uh, which would actually be the record for the American league at this point, which one of those would you be bigger in your eyes? Yeah, they're both big, and that's, I guess, what makes it a good question and you a good questioner. 
it's funny on questions like this. I think back to my days. I pitched for about 20 years. Baseball was my favorite sport growing up. I was a left-handed starting pitcher, a junk baller in many ways. So I didn't like home runs from any angle. Uh, but in this particular case, you know, my lawyer brain tends to go toward body of evidence, right? So I am even more impressed by that longer term hole 700 number than the shorter-term single-season Aaron Judge number. And part of that, Des, I think, is because I grew up in an era where Babe Ruth's 714 was the magical number for all-time career home runs. And then, of course, as a slightly older young man, I saw Hank Aaron break that record. And then 755 became this magical number. So the idea that Pujols, somebody who is contemporary right now, is near and at 700, that's just mind-boggling to me, even though, of course, there's uh, several people beyond that threshold at this point. You know, and I think what's added to it is that uh, that Pujol said, said this was his final year. Like, if we didn't know if it was his final year, maybe we would be like, ah, you know, he'll just get it at the beginning of <laughs> next year or something like that. Or he'll... Come again. But with him, what, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, they're in that 700 club? Is that right, those three? Um, I don't have that in front of me. For a long time, I was kind of baseball encyclopedia in my brain. Um, it, was, it was funny you mentioned the 714 because me growing up uh, as well, it was the same thing. Like I, I was kind of like a sports <laughs> stat nerd. So like 714, 61, like all these numbers, like I, I knew what the 100-meter the – world's record was at any given time (laughs) it's just stuff this random jeopardy stuff so i think you're right because obviously babe ruth is still on 714 that one's not going to change yeah (laughs) hank Hank aaron is still on 755 that one's not going to change and bonds ultimate number was 762 so uh that is it there are only three members of the club remember alex rodriguez came up a little bit short way back in the day willie mays ended up at 660 another number that sticks in my head so there's only so many members members of the 600 home run club. Mm-hmm. Pujols becoming the fourth member of the 700 home run club. Uh, again, we're picking between two amazing accomplishments, but I'll take the Pujols accomplishment over the Judge accomplishment in this case. Let's uh, let's shift over to college football. Uh, App State hosting Troy today. ESPN College Game Day is in the house in Boone. Uh, I can only imagine uh, what it's like there now. I mean, we're we're here late morning Saturday morning and. Uh, those kids probably haven't gone to sleep since last Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Sun Belt had themselves a weekend last week. Which were you more impressed with and why? Marshall defeating Notre Dame on the road or App State defeating Texas A&M on the road? App State beating Texas A&M on the road. Yeah, Notre Dame's a hard place to play. So is A&M, obviously. But the Irish are playing under a new coach uh, with a lot of changes, uh, even though he's familiar to the Fighting Irish. And Texas A&M, remember, is many years into the Jimbo Fisher era. So the the Thundering Herd beat a rookie head coach. Uh, The Mountaineers went to a place that jams about 100,000 people into that stadium and had a number six national ranking and beat them, straight up beat them. There was nothing lucky about it. Jimbo Fisher has all those highly ranked recruiting classes. He, of course, was a national championship coach at Florida State. Almost a decade ago, Texas A&M, you remember, Des, gave him the largest amount of guaranteed money in the history of college sports. 
It was a 10-year, $75 million contract that lured him away from Florida State. And all $75 million are guaranteed. I had never seen that previously. So he has had some great years there. He goes to a bowl every year. He's had them in the top top five, I believe. They finished a couple years ago, the Aggies. They beat Alabama last year. That was Alabama's regular season loss. Was yeah, to, this know. is a ripe program compared to sort of the new program at Notre Dame. So credit to the Mountaineers, man. If you and I made a list, seriously, in the history of college football in our state of North Carolina, the number of road wins against an opponent ranked in the national top 10 is not a long list. We would not fill the fingers on two hands with that list. So the fact that the Mountaineers just did it at number six a and I mean, credit to Marshall as well, obviously, and the Sun Belt more generally. But I'll take that Mountaineers win. Uh, and I was happy to see that ESPN's game day decided to make Boone its next destination. You know, crazy thing, too, if I'm not mistaken in the Sun Belt, I think Coastal Carolina is the one that's favored to win that conference. And we're not even talking about them yet, really. But you got App State, you got Marshall. Uh, that's a that's a fun the fun belt is what they call it. And uh, I, I normally wouldn't really pay too much attention to the other teams in that division. But last week made me go, you know what, let me check out what's going on at Marshall. Uh, the one of the high school offensive coordinators that I deal with down here, he was talking to me earlier in the week and was like, yeah, watch out for Marshall. They've got a really good running back. Uh, they're super legit and they're fun to watch. So uh, definitely going to start checking out some of the fun belt action. David Glenn on with us, longtime sports writer, sports host, uh, award winner here in the state of North Carolina. Follow him on Twitter at David Glenn Show. Speaking of App State and that record that they have going on the road, the ACC Big Four, UNC, Wake Forest, NC State, and Duke are all 2-0 and for the first time since, well, ever. <laughs> you know, uh, out of those, which of the four are the biggest surprise? I'd say Duke is the biggest surprise. And I have to admit, Des, even though I've been covering college sports here in North Carolina since 1987, so that's 35 years, I did not realize until a week ago Saturday when I saw Duke went to Northwestern and beat a Big Ten opponent. And obviously you mentioned the other 2-0 and starts, or in Carolina's case, it's a 3-0 and start. I just started looking back in the record books little by little, last year, year before, year before that, When's the last time all four started 2-0 or better? And, you know, you can check out the article at chapelboro.com. Your listeners can if they want to see all the details. But the bottom line was I got all the way back to the 1880s and couldn't find a single example. Wow. I had to double check it with all the schools. Obviously, one or two or three of the four have started 2-0 and or better many times. But all four in the same season – in the sport of football, this is the first time it has ever happened. That is crazy. We know that State and Wake both had high preseason expectations, uh, and Wake has had a very strong 2-0 and start. NC State kind of wiggled off the hook against ECU, might have mm. lost that game to the Pirates, but did get the win. Um, Carolina had that high-scoring shootout win at App State as part of the Tar Heels 3-0 and start. Duke is the surprise, though. This is a new coach in Mike Elko. Of, uh, one of only two teams in the whole conference that has a first-time starting quarterback at Duke. It's a young guy named Riley Leonard. So to go on the road under a, a first-time head coach and a first-time starting quarterback and beat a Big Ten team, I know it's only Northwestern, I have to put the Blue Devils 2-0 start as the most surprising. 
And the Blue Devils hosting North Carolina A&T tonight, later on, on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Uh, you can stream it there. We also put the official game uh, day stream on the North Carolina A&T Athletics Facebook page. So you, if, you, if you're having issues trying to get to it, you can get to it there. It's on the SiriusXM app. Uh, if you're in Guilford County, you can hear it on 96.3 FM or 1400 AM, The Light. So we've got it all over the place uh, this upcoming, uh, well, later on this evening, I should say. Um, I've heard this this question posed after uh the AM app state game and then the start of these acc big four schools in your mind right now who's the best college football team in north carolina i'd have to say the best team right now is probably wake forest nc state deserves some consideration as well uh obviously carolina just went to app state and won a head-to-head matchup so you'd have to put the tar heels over the mountaineers despite App State's huge accomplishment at Texas A&M because of the head-to-head result. But the way I saw the Wolfpack struggle at ECU, where they needed a missed extra point and a missed field goal late just to survive the Pirates in Greenville, um, I, I think they both deserve to be ranked in the national top 25, Wake and State, as they still are. But I just think Wake has been more impressive through these opening few weeks And the fact that the Deacons have their veteran star quarterback, Sam Hartman, back from his non-football medical issue related to blood clots, that's huge. Because I know State's quarterback, Devin Leary, was the preseason ACC player of the year. I've been more impressed by the career of Sam Hartman than I have been the career of Devin Leary, with all due respect to both guys. It's a great year for quarterbacks in the ACC, and they're both two of the reasons why. But... Yeah, Wake, they get to play each other, so they'll settle this best team in North Carolina on the field, at least in that Wolfpack Demon Deacons head-to-head matchup later this season. But my guess right now is that it'll be the Deeks, a team that you know, went all the way to the ACC championship game in football last year and has a lot of those key pieces back. You know, it's crazy, too. I, usually I refer this saying to high school football, but really college football, you could say the same thing. I'm I'm really attracted to teams that are programs as opposed to – one-off, really good one year, down year next year, and then, you know, the hits and recruits are up again. Wake Forest, to me, is the, the best program, uh, other than App State, uh, in the state, as it stands today, just from the results. And it seems like we always overlook both schools. Like, I, I don't even think the App State win at A&M was that big of a surprise to a lot of people. Like, they saw the score, and they're like, oh, wow, App actually won at A&M. They've been close before beating, yeah. you know, some of those teams. So, uh, I don't think it came as that much of a shock, especially early in the year where, I mean, let's just face it, preseason polls are just kind of, they're just shooting in the dark in the first couple of weeks of the of the year. You really don't know who the number six team is in the country week two. So maybe A&M was a little overrated. Maybe some of these SEC schools are a little overrated. Alabama had issues last week and they fell up a spot and Georgia took over the number one spot. But uh, I really love what Dave Clawson's doing at Wake Forest right now where they, they, they're not set up to have a down year. Like they, they'll always have depth. They always have multiple people at multiple positions. They can handle injury. They lose their starting quarterback. They keep on trucking. Uh, I don't know. I just I feel like Wake should get more recognition than they do. And Clawson mentions in that he mentions it a lot in his press conferences uh, each week as well, that, you know, they're always overlooked. Like if Wake is doing really well, then the ACC must be having a down year. And like I, I know that gnaws at him trying to build the program at Wake Forest, but I'd love to see Wake Forest App State. And I thought I saw that that series is getting renewed uh, like 2027, 2028, something like that. They're going to do a home and home. 
Yeah, and they played not too long ago as well, head-to-head against each other. I, I like the word you used, program, because keep in mind that Dave Clawson uh, has built a program over his, what is it now, nine seasons at Wake Forest. That's yeah. a program, right? Yeah. He, he's taken the Deeks to six straight bowl games. That is the first such accomplishment in the history of that program. But I remind folks, it was not until year eight that he had a winning record in conference play. So that shows you that it was a slower build. He's had other overall winning records, obviously, uh, including mostly winning records since his first couple of years were pretty rough. Uh, but in terms of conference play, last year, 7-1 and one in the ACC was their first winning record in ACC play under Dave Clawson. Uh, they won 11 games, which is one of the highest totals in the history. Yeah, come on. And they finished in the national top 15. So all those are amazing accomplishments. The reason App State often gets a lot of votes for the best program in the state of North Carolina is that they win conference championships. And before that, they won national championships at the FCS level. And remember, they've sustained their success through three different head coaches just in the last five years or so in the change from Scott Satterfield to Eli Drinkwist um, to Sean Clark. So you have a heck of a healthy culture and strong program when you can have three different head coaches in five years and only, you know, barely miss a beat. Yeah, that's the amazing part about it. Uh, You know, talking about at that they have gone through, you know, three head coaches over the past, I don't know, six, seven years, and they're still able to keep this level of excellence in the program, uh, which is remarkable. You rarely see that. Sports Buffet here with David Glenn. Follow him on Twitter at the David David Glenn Show. Real quick before I get you out of here, DG, NFL Panthers versus Giants, 1 p.m. Fox on uh, Sunday after what we saw first half and then second half last week, Panthers versus Browns. First half, it was kind of a what in the world has Ben McAdoo doing? Christian McCaffrey's out there, and he's acting like he doesn't know he's out there. To second half, where they kind of let Baker start going vertically down the field a little bit. They got a little wind under their sails. Uh, overcame being outrushed and just bludgeoned by this Browns uh, offensive line to take a one-point lead. All to see it kind of fall apart at the end. I'm not the type of guy that usually blames referees for losses, but that one there's a case to be made (laughs) that the referees had something to say at the end of that game. Uh, Fill in the blank here. Panthers need to focus on blank to win in New York. Uh, Offensive consistency. The the line is not very good. Uh, There aren't big enough holes for Christian McCaffrey. There's not enough protection for Baker Mayfield. Uh, It's not a train wreck line the way we've seen from some other Panthers teams, but Uh, That lack of consistency on offense, I think, has added to that hard-to-define element where when it's a close game, you think you're going to win versus when it's a close game, you're wondering how you're going to lose. And Mm. that's one of Matt Rule's biggest challenges because his tenure so far has left Panthers fans wondering in a close game, how are we going to screw this one up rather than how are we going to pull this one out? I do think the the Panthers are better than the Giants – um, but obviously they have to prove that on the field and come away with their first win of the season. And it is on the road. I was just, we were doing the believe in Panther podcast yesterday. Uh, Skylar Callahan from sports illustrated and uh, Jonathan Stewart are my co-hosts this year. And we were talking about that. And I told him that I didn't feel so bad after the game Sunday. It was one of the first times in a long while where like, as the week went on, it kind of kept 
you know, it, I just kind of stewed in it a little bit and kind of realized, hey, we should have won that game. Why did we do this? Why did we do that? Normally, I can kind of just, you know, wash my hands of it, yeah. move on to the next week and go on. I'm, I know it's only been one week. <laughs> and I know this this talk is going to start to build. Uh, this is a must win for the Panthers on uh, on Sunday. Matt Rule, hot seat situation. Like, are we entering that territory? Like, if this keeps going on over the next couple of weeks? Because I saw David, Taper, uh, David Tepper's reaction in the press box uh, during that game. And normally he doesn't really show a lot of emotion. He did on Sunday. Like, I think it's starting to get to him, too. Now, the buyout would be for three-plus years, and I'd imagine almost $40 million. So I don't really know if that's something David uh, Tepper wants to swallow. Then again, he just put $180 million in steel in a facility off the side of the highway that he's never going to use. So maybe mm-hmm. that money means nothing to him. <laughs> Do you think that uh, Matt Rule is in danger of actually being on a hot seat if uh, if they lose on Sunday? Uh, I don't think if they lose Sunday, but I think in terms of how the entire year two shakes out, that that's a different story because David Tepper, a couple things to remember about him. Number one, he is among the wealthiest NFL owners. So think about how wealthy that group of owners is. He's wealthy even compared to other NFL owners. So yeah. whereas a check might be too hard for somebody to sign, uh, I'm not saying it's not easy. It's not hard to sign a huge buyout check like that, but he's more capable of it uh, without losing sleep at night, even compared to other NFL owners. And the other thing that made him famous in the business world, I mean, he he literally keeps brass balls, like literal brass balls on his desk as a symbol of his managerial style over the years uh, as a business owner and as a leader of, of people. So he's not afraid. He's bold. He's aggressive. He's unafraid. Um, and he doesn't like losing. I think he even describes himself as impatient. So it, it, all, it all depends. You know the deal. You've been around a long time, Des. You could go eight and eight and leave a feeling of optimism and confidence and that you're moving in the right direction. Or you could go eight and eight and feel like you let four games get away and it's your coaching staff's fault. Um, the details matter. And I, I don't think David Tepper, as impatient as he might be, is the type of guy to make a decision on a head coach in, you know, the early stages of his second season running the program. Yeah. And, and that's the argument I always give to the you know, third, third season. Third so. season. Yeah. It's like, why give a guy a seven year deal if you're just going to yank it away after two years and a game or whatnot? That's not really how billionaires become billionaires by being impatient. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. What I wouldn't happens. want to win five games for the third year in a row if I were. Yeah. That, that doesn't seem like an invitation to come back if uh, if that happens, especially with everything they did in the offseason. I agree. I think the Panthers on paper are more talented than the Giants are. Uh, seeing a, a rejuvenated Saquon Barkley, though, after what we just watched last week with Nick Chubb doesn't make me feel great, although I did pick the Panthers to go 11-6 and six this year so for some wild reason. So they do have to start <laughs> winning football games for that to happen. So <laughs> Panthers versus Giants, 1 p.m. on Fox this Sunday. Follow David Glenn at David Glenn Show on Twitter and make sure you check out all of his work over at chapelborough.com. Uh, DG, appreciate you. I know you said you've got, you're going to, you have a, uh, article up regarding app state and college game day and everything going on up there today so everybody go check that out before uh before kickoff if you haven't already and uh dg we'll have you back on here a little bit later on in the season sounds good des always fun to be with you keep up the good work thank you sir coming up more from the rundown here on tobacco road sports and wwbg 1470 am you're listening to the rundown with desmond johnson 
Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no appointment needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Hey, Panther fans, right now on the SiriusXM app, hear the most in-depth Carolina Panthers coverage anywhere with Believe in Carolina Panthers, part of the Believe Podcast Network on SiriusXM. Hear from me, Desmond Johnson, and my co-host, Skylar Callahan from Sports Illustrated, and Panther great Jonathan Stewart as we break down the Panthers before and after every game through the NFL season. Your team, your podcast. Search B-L-E-A-V in Carolina Panthers on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you believe? Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Welcome back into a loaded edition of the Rundown, Saturday, September the 17th, 2022. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, here on WWBG, 1470 AM, and, of course, online every Saturday morning at TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. You can watch the show on Facebook Watch uh, or the Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel, and you can participate in the show. Ask us your questions. Give us your hot takes. Just put them in the comment section below. We'll answer them live in real time here on the air. With me right now from WRAL Sports anchor Chris Lee, friend of the program. What's going on, Chris? How you doing, bro? Nothing much, man. How you doing today? Good, man. Good. We were trying to get you on last week uh, when we were doing a, a bigger wrestling roundtable, and uh, I want to get you. I wanted to get you on to get your opinion on this because anytime wrestling comes up, all anyone that listens to Rundown, they know that I'm going to go grab Chris and we're going to chop it up because we're just huge wrestling fans. Give me your thoughts on the backstage issues with AEW. Uh, for those that don't know, it's been going. It's uh, been ongoing now for about two weeks now. Uh, CM Punk and uh, the Young Bucks, the Elite, basically got into a backstage altercation after CM Punk's uh, media uh, scrum after the the recent pay per view. Um, of which CM Punk, uh, the Elite, uh, a number of individuals have been suspended from AEW, and they've tried to move on. They haven't really even talked about it, but it's been all it's been the major buzz surrounding that promotion. What are your thoughts on this? Is this a work? Is this something that they put together or is this something that spilled over that's been, you know, kind of bubbling for a while? Oh, it's definitely not a work. This is all real. <laughs> this is oh. all like <laughs> this is a real situation that's happening right here in front of our eyes. And um, it's uh, it's very interesting to me to, to see everything kind of play out because it, it depends on what you what your feelings are about CM Punk. Right. That usually where everybody kind of lands. Um, a lot of people feel like, well, look, he caused problems in. WWE and here he is in AEW causing problems again but I I, kind of look at it like this like CM Punk is that guy where he's probably going to be a little annoying going to be annoyed hearing from him so much but he's not necessarily wrong in what he's saying like he's he's absolutely right in what he's saying and there is a problem within a AEW and it starts at the top with Tony Khan and he started this whole thing uh, which is cool uh, but he he's been running it like uh, a billionaire, you know, Mark for, for lack of a better term, somebody who's just excited to be a part of it. And he's got the, uh, the paycheck, uh, the checkbook, excuse me, um, to, um, 
to make anything in any match happen that he wants to happen. And um, he's given guys, um, you know, these, uh, you know, titles like the Young Bucks and, and Kenny Omega, they're executive vice presidents of the company. Um, and they don't necessarily know how to run anything. And they're not running things for the best interest of AEW. They're running things in the best interest of, of them. And now you have a WWE wrestler who's come or a former WWE wrestler who's been to the top of the mountain, who understands what it takes to take this company to the next level. And you've got guys who are drinking their own Kool-Aid and feeling like they don't need the help. And, um, and, and that's where the problem lies. There, there's no respect for, uh, for Tony Khan. It's just a bunch of guys trying to get themselves over. It really is starting to feel like WCW 1999-2000 right now, like when Cash was, Money was taking over. Yeah, I was just thinking, <laughs> I was just thinking that. I'm like, man, this sounds like – yeah, NWO, WCW. Yeah. Like that was the pro. That was the downfall of WCW. Is that there was too many, uh, too many bookers. Really, there was too many wrestlers with like uh, the power. The power, yeah, the power to basically say, "I'm not getting pinned by that dude," or "I'm not going to wrestle that dude." And it ultimately started affecting storylines. I guess here's my question here because I don't think CM Punk is ever going to be welcomed back to WWE, especially now with Triple H running the show. Uh, the elite in WWE, they've got a contract for like another two years. Is that something that you think they would, because my understanding is that Triple H offered the elite before they decided to go build AEW. He offered them contracts and laid out a storyline when they came in. And to my understanding, it would have been kind of an elite versus undisputed era type of thing. Eventually they would have clicked up and made a a remake of Bullet Club pretty much. Uh, do you think there's an opportunity for the elite to go to WWE or would it be better for them to stay in AEW as executive vice presidents and run the risk of this happening again with another wrestler they bring in? Well, this wouldn't happen in WWE because they, they wouldn't have the power in WWE. And I think the smart thing for Triple H and his company to kind of look at right now is, okay, this is what will happen if I bring in these guys and let them kind of, um, you know, run amok over, over the company. And first off, they're just not going to, that's just not going to happen. And you're going to have to have respect for the boss. The, the part that, that gives me pause. And I think you're right. But I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say never. I wouldn't say um, it's the door is completely closed for CM Punk at WWE. And, and the way I look at it. Um, but as far as the elite, there could be something there. But they're going to have to, especially the Young Bucks, they would have to alter their wrestling style. They would have to actually listen to people. If you think about it, as the Young Bucks came to prominence, the last time they did not have power within the wrestling organization that they were prominent in was Impact Wrestling. And that ended very bad for them because it was them and a bunch of older WWE guys who were like, hey, if you want to make it to the next level, you got to listen to us. What do you think is going to happen when they actually get into a locker room with guys from who are in the WWE as they're in the WWE, right? So when they did Ring of Honor, you know, because of Cody, they had uh, some power at New Japan because of uh, Kenny Omega. They had some power. They have power. They're executive vice presidents. So during their rise, they, they don't know anything outside of calling their own shots. Are they going to be okay with sitting back and, and and seeing what the creative team has for them? And make, how are they going to deal with that? How are they going to handle that situation? 
and is that going to really jive with him? So it's I honestly think that they are more of a wild card with WWE than what uh, what CM Punk would be. Honestly, that, that's that's just kind of how I would see it. Uh, WRL sports anchor Chris Lee joining us here on the rundown this morning over in uh, WWE Solo Sokoa joining the Bloodline uh, over the past week and and then actually won the NXT North American Title this week. Good or bad for business? And what's the magic number for you for a wrestling stable? Like when is it too many? Um. I think this is good for business. Um, you know, I think um, with this long form storytelling that you're doing with, um, you know, Roman Reigns, this this whole thing is to set up or not set up to, I guess, support his uh, title reign over the WWE. And it's already been two years. So you need, um, you know, fresh faces and, and fresh things to kind of happen. And I think the WWE has been very smart in how they've, uh, you know, sprinkled um people in you know here and there so with you know Sami Zayn, he's kind of a part of the bloodline which i think is a very uh entertaining part of the the story but as far as the the magic number i think it really just depends on what works for the particular um the particular organization um i i think right now having three cousins and an associate and and this guy that thinks he's a part of everything he's he's the down white kid or whatever uh i think that's going to be good enough um that could probably last you another year until you know it's time for roman to drop the belt so i think that's good i think the real issue is <laughs> and i hate to like keep bragging on AEW, but the real issue is how many factions you have like you don't need to have your entire organization be made up of <laughs> of factions there's like yeah. 12 factions over there <laughs> yeah. it's just it's it's so it's so cluttered um but as far as uh, Bloodline, I like where it's going. I like uh, Solo Sokoa as, a, as an addition. And I can't wait to see uh, what type of storytelling they're going to do with him. And it'll be interesting to see if, if he'll be the one. Like, when this whole thing goes down with Roman, somebody's going to have to be the bad guy out of it, right? So mm-hmm. is that going to be Solo Sokoa? You know, we'll see. That's actually a really good point, and I like it too. I, I had been watching uh, NXT 2.0. I just the, – the – bright colors and all that stuff was just throwing me off. And I do like that. It seems like they're going to go back to the black and gold uh, that everyone loved uh, when Triple H and Shawn Michaels were running it to begin with. But uh, with so I like it because if Roman's not going to be there full time, then to have an, a, a, another guy that can be that third, that's a legit title holder. You can, you can main event off of them. Uh, it seems like they're throwing a lot of support around them in general. So to have him there, you'll still have the Usos and you'll have solo I imagine Paul Heyman's going to return here eventually. And then you got Sammy. This whole situation going on with Sammy Zayn and the Bloodline, where I, I feel like they're building towards Sammy Zayn reuniting with Kevin Owens to challenge the Usos for the tag team titles. Like I feel like that's where they're kind of trying to lead this train to. Um, and then with Roman, of course, I think it's a it's the worst kept secret in wrestling that they're trying to get to Rock versus Reigns. Uh, at WrestleMania in Los Angeles next year. My question, though, is does he need the WWE title at WrestleMania next year? Um, I got into a conversation with a couple of wrestling buddies earlier in the week, and they were trying to describe the best way to take the belts off of Roman. And I was like, well, you don't want to take the Universal title off of him because that's the one he's had the longest, and he's gone on two-plus years with that one. The WWE title, he only has it because Bobby Lashley got hurt right before day one, and they gave it to Brock. And Brock was already going into... Uh, WrestleMania to fight Roman, so it made it title for title. I don't think that was ever the original plan. So I thought back to 
remember a couple of WrestleManias ago when Becky Lynch won uh, against in the main event uh, against Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair. She was Becky two belts or whatnot. People kind of forget how they got one of those belts off of her. They did a triple threat with her, Bailey, Charlotte, and it was two falls. And the first fall was for one belt, and the other fall was for the other belt. And they had to do it in a certain order for it to make sense to keep Becky strong. So they had it where Becky won the first pin, and then Bailey pinned Charlotte for the second pin. So ba- so so basically, Becky was clean. She kept the belt, and Bailey got the other one, and they got the chance to split the belts out. Should they do something similar to that with Roman, or do you feel like he needs to hold on to both of these belts and that it doesn't matter if they're split or not? Here's what you do. And I, I think I think if you just kind of look at the landscape, it's setting up perfectly for this. Have Cody Rhodes, when he comes back, just you know let him take his time, come back at Royal Rumble, win the Royal Rumble, and then because he wins it, he has to des- decide which title he wants to um, go after. Um, maybe it's the WWE title because that's the, I guess, the traditional title that's eluded his family for so long. Right. And so night one, it's Cody versus Roman for um, for the first title. But then also you have The Rock that comes up and is like, hey, well, if if nobody's going to challenge for the other belt, it's at Hollywood, it's my backyard, I'll challenge for the other belt for night two. And Roman Reigns, you will have the first time that somebody will – um, main event twice. Main event twice at wow. WrestleMania, two nights in a row, and I think that is another way to kind of sell the pay per view because it'll be uh, something that has never been seen before. If the first night you can have uh, Cody something go awry, you know, with the bloodline, whatever, and uh, maybe The Rock has kind of put some uh, planted some seeds into Solo Sokoa or the Usos, mm-hmm. and so you got Cody Rhodes who will win. Uh, right afterwards, you have Austin Theory come right back out. And what a way to ruin the big moment for the Rhodes family Ooh. is to lose it immediately. Wow. <laughs> to, yes. And then now and now you have Cody as the babyface chasing Austin Theory, and that can separate them. They can go to SummerSlam. And then like now that. you have Roman Reigns, who's now worried because he's lost one belt already, and now he's got his cousin, The Rock, on night two. What's going to happen? And you have all that drama that's surrounding that. So I think that's a good way to kind of go about it uh, if I were them. I like that because the, the really all they've been doing, and I've noticed that Pat McAfee was doing this all the time. Whenever Roman shows up, he makes sure to mention he's the GOAT, greatest of all time. It's the, it's the LeBron-Jordan kind of parallel where they're pushing Roman Reigns to be the de facto GOAT of all, all time when they know their audience is familiar with The Rock and Stone Cold and Hulk Hogan and all these other ones, but they're trying to position Roman as that. So it makes it where – doing something that no one's done before like that, yeah. that, that would put that adds more to Roman's resume. So that actually makes a lot of sense. And then, and then you have Roman beat rock clean because any of these matches, most of these matches that he's had against these guys like Daniel Bryan or edge or uh, any of these uh, people that he's defeated, most of them have been clean pins by Roman. He's rarely had bloodline really interfere in it. Uh, last WrestleMania, it was clean. So, well, well kind of <laughs> with Brock. So, um, Real quick before I get you out of here, though, I got to uh, pick your brain on our Panthers. Um, I won't get uh, into yeah, I won't uh, get into what happened last Sunday uh, against the Browns. Um, I, I want to look forward to tomorrow versus the Giants, one p.m. on Fox. Um, how confident are you in head coach Matt Rule today? As we sit here on Saturday, <laughs> September seventeenth, one game into the season, how confident are you in his abilities to lead this team to a playoff berth this year? 
Not very. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's. I, I still think there is an outside chance for for the Panthers to do that, but uh, I'm not going to sit here and you know say that you know I'd, I'd bet my house on it or you know I'd, I'd, I'd you know put up any type of significant money uh, that they would actually do that. Um, I will, will say this to bring up the last game. Um, the thing that that makes me feel not so bad or like the season is just, a, you know, is a wash already one game into the season is the fact that under Matt rule, I don't remember and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember any other game where they were down by multiple scores where they came back to have the lead. And honestly, if it weren't for two questionable calls from the, the officials at the end, mm-hmm. the, the questionable uh, roughing the passer, and then, of course, they explained why <laughs> yeah, it should have been um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, a penalty on uh, Jacoby Brissett, but they just didn't throw the flag. No. Uh, it was really weird. That's the reason why the Browns won. Now, I, I can't ignore the first three quarters because, you know, especially the first two quarters where – it looked like, you know, a high school offense uh, with Baker Mayfield barely being able to hold on to the ball or cleanly throw the ball to a, a receiver. Yeah, so you can't great. ignore that. But I don't remember any other time under Matt Rule where uh, the team has gotten that close to winning after being down by multiple scores. That's so true. That's that true. is that is the one thing that is like a, a little bit of a silver lining. I don't know if that's because of Matt Rule and the coaching. I don't know if that's because of Phil Snow. I don't know if that's because of have the ability to actually come back because under, you know, Cam Newton, under uh, Teddy Bridgewater, under Sam Darnold, if the Panthers are down in the fourth quarter, so confident that they can do that against the Bucks or the Saints. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's – I, I would say that the Giants are definitely a lot better of a team than what they were last year. We know how they beat us last year. Um, but this is still one of those games where if you're – if you're – The, the the Giants Didn't want him at all in the preseason. He had him bubble wrap the whole the whole time, and, and he's pretty much a bubble wrap first half too. Um, and you know what? And, but outside of Christian McCaffrey, like why get also why also get Deontay Brown, who came in and did a very good job uh, filling in for Derrick Henry, 
and I don't, re- I only remember what two maybe rushing attempts from him. Like, if you're going to take the ball out of Christian McCaffrey's hands, which I get the idea, at least still establish the run game through others. And and I think that has been my problem with the with the Panthers over the last four years in general yeah. is that you've been running Christian to the ground and not letting others who have been capable also run the ball. Uh, but now you have others who are you know not only capable but you have a I mean think about it like if you had a, a nice steady diet of Christian McCaffrey, uh, Deontay Brown, and Chuba just to uh, change up Foreman. Deontay Foreman. You want uh, the guy from Tennessee? Yeah, signed? yeah, Foreman. Yeah, Foreman. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean Deontay Brown. Sorry, excuse me, Deontay Foreman. Um, if if you have a nice steady diet of of those guys coming out the backfield, um, you could keep teams a little bit off balance. I get trying to protect Christian a little bit because you want him uh, for the duration of the season, but to also not use your other running backs and to not establish the run game, I thought that was the whole reason why um, Joe Brady got fired because he never established he the run the ball. game. <laughs> so, um, so it's that's the part that's kind of a head scratcher to me. Um, so hopefully they'll they'll get that together at some point. Like I'm not necessarily worried about the Christian portion of it, but if you're not going to use your other, <laughs> um, you know, weapons, then, you know, what's the whole point of, of holding back Christian? You know, you might as well run Christian into, into the ground. We'll, we'll find out what they learned their lesson from last Sunday. Uh, this up, well, tomorrow, 1 p.m. on Fox. WRL's Chris Lee here with us on the rundown, brother. Always appreciate having you on, and uh, we'll have you back here soon. Yes, sir. Thanks, man. Coming up, more from the rundown here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and WWBG 1470 AM. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson.